entertaining mind control. Come let the revolution take its toll. If you could make the switch to open your third eye, see that we should never be afraid to die. Rise up and take the power back. It's time the black cat had a heart attack. Go back. Time's coming to an end We have to unify and watch the flag ascend Welcome, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. Today is November 2nd, 2021. So today, a lot of people have been on the uh, T train, on the what's really going on in the news train, and that's because they want you to talk about everything that has nothing to do with what is important to be looking at. And, um, I mean, I, I was given some guidance for that, too, of course. Uh, but, you know, we are now in charge. We are now <laughs> moving it along. And um, I hope you guys can see that because, uh, like I said, November is going to be pretty uplifting. And we're going to need that uh, for the next 60 days after Thanksgiving because uh, that's when everything's going to start to go down. Um I thought today we could talk about something that no one's talking about that's very important that needs to be uh, addressed, especially in a handful of cities uh, throughout the United States. Uh, I think that that's something that we need to start looking at. I know, you know, as I've said, and, and to my Canadian listeners, it has to do with you as well, but <clears throat> there's a difference, unfortunately, with Canada and the way their government is set up, yet uh because of the way society is today and because of the use of the internet, 
changes can happen. Even in Canada, who's kind of under the Queen's crown, kind of isn't. I really should do a show on Canada. But I promise that it's going to be Australia first, which is the proving ground, considering that they allowed its uh, discovery uh, for purposes that they need it. Hence why they had all their prisoners there and why everything we are seeing that is happening around the world has been first deployed within New Zealand and Australia. So what are we going to talk about today? We could talk about a lot of things. I think we should just uh, briefly discuss these a lot of things before we get into the real meat of what we should be discussing. So uh, in Florida, uh, the first uh, district court uh, there ordered an immediate hearing of a request for writ of mandamus against school board members. See, people are listening, people are watching, people are copying, and you're getting it done. This is it. This is how you get shit done. You stand your ground. You know, I I know a lot of people are like, well, we did this, we're doing, and we're going to keep doing. How the hell are you the underdog when you are the majority? You are the majority. You know, right now, all of us are watching what's going on in in Virginia. McAuliffe has no hope, I guess. Everyone's following that election. Um, I want to show you what they've got so far for Glenn and McAuliffe. It's at 54 to 43% last I saw it. Let me take a look. Now it's 52% to 46. Here's where the flip begins. Here's where the flip begins. Uh, We should watch this. Uh, as, um, oh, well, we should listen to a little bit while we talk about other things. How's that? But we should have it in the background regardless, because it's quite fascinating to see how this flip happened so discreetly. Oh, it's because we weren't looking at all the numbers yet. You know, only 9% are reporting. A winner, uh, for tonight, but, uh, We've got a long night ahead of us. We're glad you're joining us. Hey, we want to thank our partner of the night, the patriotic Michael Lindell. That's right. We can't say enough about that gentleman that has done so much for election integrity in our country, has done so much to protect our rights, our liberties, our freedoms. So we want you to help him out as well. Uh, Go over to his website. We all know it. That's right. You just said it out loud, MyPillow.com, MyPillow.com. And what's that promo code? That's right, RSBN. Put that in at checkout. You get up to 66 uh, percent off your entire order. Let me tell you this, 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 these cold fronts move in this week. It's getting a lot chillier than normal. Why not throw a set of those flannel sheets on that bed? If you're sitting on the couch right now, if you're watching TV and you're kind of wondering, hey, I'm getting kind of chilly in here, why not? Why not put uh, some flannel sheets on that bed? And right now you can do that and save up to 66% off when you put that promo code RSBN. Uh, at checkout. You can absolutely uh, get that. And uh, while you're doing it, throw some of those great uh, towels that they have, the most absorbent towels on the market. My goodness, you want to talk about a towel that would dry you off. I absolutely love them. So go check it out. Um, MyPillow.com and go to MyStore.com. Talk about thousands of products right there. You can go shopping and what a great deal that is as well. So go to MyPillow.com, MyStore.com and shop away. What a great uh, way to not only fight a uh, cancel culture, uh, but also uh, help out a great a guy like Mike Lindell, who has really put millions out to fight lawsuits, to, 
to do election integrity investigations, do all these cyber symposium that we covered there uh, a few months ago. So he has done all of that. It's been self-funding. So absolutely, go check it out. MyPillow.com, MyStore.com, promo code RSPN. As you can see, the room is filling up uh, quite a bit. Uh, a lot of supporters here. We've talked to uh, a couple here just a few minutes ago about their thoughts on that. I talked to people earlier. Uh, going in at 9% reporting right now, Yunkin at 54.2, McAuliffe at 45% and 0.8% for independence. So once again, Yunkin continues to hold the lead on that. We just hope uh, statistically that margin stays the same uh, and it stays, you know, basically in that range of votes for uh, Yunkin. So, uh, also to recap some other things, banking uh, news across the country, and of course, you know, uh, the economy seems to be a big one. Uh, we got the Dow uh, up to record highs right now, which is phenomenal as far as um, the degree of the, the economy. Look at the stock market. It's one of those things where you would never have thought that during a, a time like this, that the stock market is taking such a ride that it is uh, in the market. So, you know, you look at that, you look at real estate across the country, you look at the different real estate markets across the country, uh, you've seen such a rise in uh, property values. Uh, it has been one of those, you know, it, it goes outside the norm considering we just came off of, of COVID and the massive, uh, you know, jobs and economic downturns, but all of a sudden you have a surge in the marketplace, uh, which is kind of surprising at this point. Of course, you got the auto industry that is uh, kind of uh, trying to struggle and make it through uh, a, a supply chain shortage. Of course, we all know exactly uh, what the computer chips and that we've seen a shortage on computer chips, which has a direct effect to um, building uh, supply chains for these cars and other electronics that we buy. So that's been disrupted. That's been uh, stop offshore okay, about on a second. what's been going on there. I want to mute it for a sec so we can talk about other things. So obviously, <laughs> you guys caught it. Oh, the stock market's a record high in, in the crypto arena. That's called pump and dump. You pump the shit out of a coin. And then once it gets high enough and everyone's buying, you drop that shit rock bottom and it's dead. And, um, you know, this is indeed what's going on. The economy is being inflated for the holidays. So that way you don't feel bad when everything comes crashing down. Don't forget, we've got a new flu. Every seasonal flu begins at the end of December and ends in March. So while we're going to be making waves starting with the new year, huh, it's going to be really, really tight in January. It's going to be hot. It's going to be hot January. We're suddenly all going to be locked in. And it's only going to be a few, right? Because we've got a lot of cases that are going to be out in SCOTUS in February. End of January and February and, and, and all of February, there's going to be a lot of hearings, a lot of things happening. I'm going to be very surprised if I don't see a government shutdown uh, from the way they're acting. Uh, so that's that's something that I'm expecting. I, I don't think any, well, anyone else is not expecting it. Um, but 
what we're seeing aside from, <laughs> from these great changes and, oh, all this, we're seeing the narrative start to build on creating the division within the United States in regards to people choosing to get the vaccine and not getting the vaccine. And I think it's important that we showcase this now. Um, I want to play a little bit of CNN. I know it's CNN, but we must. This is talking about a woman, uh, you know, a couple that had to decide vaccine, get the vaccine or get divorced. You know, here we go. I truly, I truly have, have been through and back fighting this damn cancer for the past two and a half years. And he just acts like I should obey his wishes and not get the vaccine and throw everything to the wayside and go against my oncologist's recommendation. Well, I say, screw him. And I got three, over 3,000 likes on that. <laughs> COVID-19 conspiracy theories are complicating relationships. We spoke to one breast cancer patient whose oncologist recommended she get the vaccine, but she says her husband told her no. He was downright rude to me and said that if you get the vaccine, I'll file for divorce. We will no longer be together. And it's like, well, okay. Now she's the one filing for divorce. She has to remain anonymous in fear of retaliation until it's finalized. So at the start of COVID, he was very careful. Oh yeah, he'd, he'd wash his hands, he'd, he'd sanitize his hands, he'd you know, put on a new mask every time. He was fanatical about it. But then he went from one extreme to the other. Why didn't he want you to get vaccinated? He had heard with all his research that um, the vaccine will shed to him if he hangs around people who have been vaccinated and that it will change his DNA. CNN has reviewed dozens of her husband's social media posts where he shared basis conspiracy theories regarding the COVID-19 vaccine. Some of the Facebook posts include lies that the vaccine is spreading the virus, that it alters people's DNA, and that it's being used to depopulate the world. I mean, those beliefs, that sort of delusion, is, is that the man you married? Mm-mm. No. I don't even know who the hell... Let's just say something straight out. The vaccine is not a vaccine as traditionally known. So this is what is really confusing. It is a gene therapy. Someone tell me by definition, hold on, let's all Google it. What is gene therapy supposed to do? Let's just Google that. What does gene therapy do? Okay, so gene therapy is a process of replicating defective genes with healthy ones. Wait a minute. Oh, okay. So you're taking genes and copying them and changing them into something else. Let's see. Let's go to FDA.gov. Let's look at this together. What is gene therapy? Because that is exactly what COVID-19 vaccines are. So let's be straight with it, right? Let's be 100% straight with this. What is it that it is? Because it's a conspiracy theory. So let's go to the FDA website and see together exactly what... It is. What does the FDA say? The FDA says, let's take a look. Let me put this on the screen. The FDA, what is gene therapy? 
Human gene therapy seeks to modify or manipulate the expression of a gene or to alter the biological properties of living cells for therapeutic use. Okay, so let's stay. Let's let's stay on this page, and we'll go back. Um, uh, what is a gene? Let's see. The gene is the basic physical unit of inheritance. Genes are passed from parents and offering and contain the information needed to specify trait. Genes are arranged one after another on structures called chromosome. A chromosome contains a single long DNA molecule. Okay, so you are, let's go back. You are, what are you doing? You're seeking to modify or manipulate the expression of a gene or alter the biological property of living cells. A gene is part of your chromosome, which is a single strand of long DNA. Oh, so you're seeking to modify or manipulate the expression of a long molecule of DNA or to alter the biological properties of living cells. Let's just, uh, you know, let's just uh, call it what it is. Call it what it is. Call it what it is. So when people say things like, and we've gone over what chromosomes are, I showed you how they are created and what chromatin is, that one video that's been on there for 11 years. Let's speak the language. Let's speak science. This is from FDA.gov. Let's speak science. So basically, mRNA hijacks, this is what gene therapy is, mRNA in your vaccine is a vaccine. In your shot is gene therapy. Gene therapy seeks to modify or manipulate the expression of your gene. It modifies or manipulates how your DNA is expressed. What did we go over a while back? We went over about amplifying genetic expression and ampl and silencing genetic expression. The main difference between this therapy and CRISPR. CRISPR cuts out your genetics. This one silences or amplifies or cherry picks what they want. So let's continue reading what the FDA says. Gene therapy is a technique that modifies a person's genes. Modifies. Changes. Changes. Oh, no, it doesn't. It means modify. All right, let's look up what the definition of modify. Define, hold on, define, modify. Let's look what defining modify is. To change in form or character, to make less extreme, severe, strong, to qualify or limit the meaning of, for example, blah, 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 blah. Modify, 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 to change. That's basically it, to change. To modify is to make a change or alteration. To change. So you're modifying your genes. You're modifying your DNA. Let's keep going. So modifying a person's genes to treat or cure a disease. Gene therapies can work by several mechanisms. One, replacing disease-causing gene with healthy, a healthy copy of a gene. You mean you get mRNA that hijacks your system and codes proteins that then what? Oh, give a healthy copy of whatever they want. Got it. Inactivating a disease-causing gene that is not functioning properly. Well, you know, like what they were trying to invent. What was it? The God gene therapy where they wanted to, uh, what is it? Um, uh, uh, 
<clears throat> where they um, said they wanted to change, they wanted to silence the genes that made people believe in God, right? That, that actually happened, okay? Um, so you're inactivating <clears throat> something that a gene does because you say it doesn't function properly. In other words, you're silencing part of your genetic code. In other words, you're sticking proteins to your genetic code so it gets all sticky and it can't be read. We went through this when we talked about um, how the gene are packed, how the chromatins, how the chromatin is created, how the chromosomes are created, how the DNA is packed, and how I expressed to you that it's coiled in that way so that certain surfaces can be seen to be like, oh, that's a file. It's like a tab, right? Oh, when I want to, you know, make, I don't know, I'm just saying, uh, uh, a new cellular matrix component, right? There's a tab, a sticky tab that that says uh, cellular matrix component and y your, your protein attaches to it and says, start to unwind the DNA because I need to read that code, right? So what they're doing is they're inactivating it, which means they're stripping off those tabs like on a filing cabinet so you can't see it. So then it's ineffective. Now, in times where you're diseased, like, uh, I don't know, um, people that make extra bone, for example, you try to silence the genes that make extra bone, but you also run the risk of not recreating bone when you lose it. But hey, whatever, right? Next, introducing new or modified gene into the body to help treat disease. Whoa, wait a minute. So you're introducing new genetic material, right? Or a modified gene to help the body treat a disease. Now you can't just say, here's some DNA, let me throw it inside your body, right? DNA doesn't work like that. Even when you decode DNA, it becomes mRNA, messenger RNA, that then gets transcribed into something. So in other words, what the man is saying, that it will alter his DNA, he is 100% correct. Because the FDA is telling you this on their website of what, is gene therapy. So now that we've spoke science, let's get back to what CNN is telling us because it's, oh, it's a conspiracy theory. Yet gene therapy is exactly that. But, you know, I digress. So now that we've discussed the science, let's get back to CNN's, oh my gosh. <laughs> no, I don't even know who the hell he yes, is anymore. anymore. <laughs> He's not the same person. He just... It's like a switch got flipped. She's not alone. Others have taken to social media to express concerns about their marriages because of COVID-19 misinformation. I've spoken to about half a dozen couples who their relationships have kind of fallen apart under the weight of viral anti-vax disinformation. Some are getting divorced. Jesslyn Cook covers tech misinformation and conspiracy theories for HuffPost. She's currently writing a book about the human toll of misinformation. Um, a lot of their spouses really didn't even buy into conspiracy theories or any misinformation before the pandemic. It's incredibly heartbreaking, and for many of the couples I spoke with, vaccines have been a breaking point. I mean, ultimately, do you, do you think you'd be getting a divorce if it wasn't for misinformation, COVID, the vaccine? No, we wouldn't. I don't think so. I don't think we'd be getting a divorce. You know, there were other, there's other things too. You know, no marriage is perfect, but um, you know that that was the driving force. 
Troubling revelations about Facebook. Companies like YouTube and Facebook have been criticized for allowing COVID-19 misinformation to spread on their platforms. YouTube says it has banned misleading videos about any approved vaccine. And Facebook says it prohibits misinformation about the COVID vaccine. But many of her husband's posts still remain on Facebook. How did it feel to, to watch the man you married, the man you love, go down this rabbit hole? It was sad. It was really sad, um, but and I thought, well, I, I gotta, you know, pull him out of this, but y- you can't. It, it, it's not something that I think it's got to be up to that person. What's your message to those people that, that to the the makers of those? Yeah, the makers of of the people who are pushing all this disinformation. Get a life and just, you know, you guys need to just stop this nonsense because it's harming people. It's actually harming. So now that CNN has educated us (laughs) in science, right, and harming people, no offense, the man is a genius. His wife looks like your typical Karen. She would be the one that says, well, you're harming people, so now get in the oven. I'm turning that shit up to 3,000 degrees. Please stop. See, this is what you're up against. Media. That doesn't speak science. See, I didn't pull out any, you know, conspiracy page. I pulled out the FDA website. <laughs> they tell you everything. And today's show, I'm going to show you how people that have been selected for years running your local communities have screwed you over, have, huh, wait till you see. I'm telling you, in your state's groups, we've got two cities in Texas. We got to work real hard, you guys. I think it's time we take this down. Take the show home. People are waking up. People are really, really waking up. So much so that even pilots that shouldn't be saying these things tell their passengers, let's go, Brandon. Yes, they do. Let's go, Brandon. Welcome back. Uh, Let's check in with Alex Kramer for a look at what's trending on social media. Alex. Well, Southwest Airlines are trending as they are now launching an internal investigation into the pilot who used the anti-Biden slang phrase, let's go Brandon, after an Associated Press reporter on that flight claimed that the pilot said the phrase at the end of his typical greeting. Now, a statement from the airline said that, quote, Southwest does not condone employees sharing their personal political opinions while on the job. Of course, Twitter had a lot to say. Someone tweeting, for everyone who says politics should be kept out of the workplace, you first. Teachers need to stop expressing political opinions in the classroom. Corporations need to stop donating to the BLM organization and other Marxist front groups and stop boycotting states over politics. Another user tweeting, I'm laughing at this whole thing. Three words got so many people upset. Time to move on. Someone else taking to Twitter saying, good job to the pilot. I hope Southwest defends him. I will be booking all my flights with at Southwest Air now. Someone saying, it's hilarious that people are losing their minds over a South ads. Hmm. Well, that's a look at what's trending. Back to you. Do you have a thought on that? Um, I have a thought on it, but I know my thought's different than your thought. No, I go ahead. That, uh, think... Well, I'll just say, um, I'm not left-wing, but mm-hmm. uh, I don't think it's professional, and I don't think that's a place uh, for a pilot to do that. Mm-hmm. Certainly entitled to have whatever opinion he wants. I don't want him doing it 
that today for the current president or four years from now under a different president. Yeah. I, I just don't think that's where it belongs. My issue is with the response from the media because there's just been this visceral response to this pilot who was making a joke, um, whether it was an appropriate time to do it yeah. or not, versus the things that we heard about President Trump for four years. Yeah. I mean, I, and horrible things. You've got people at football games screaming it. You know, yeah. it's like all this fair game. It's yeah. out in public. I just think in a professional workplace, doesn't belong. I don't even want to think. I want my pilot paying attention (laughs) to where we're flying. I don't want him or her. I had to turn him off because pilots are supposed to loosen you up and tell you a joke or two right before they go. So I disagree. It was the most appropriate time. That's a time that you want to know that you got a laid back, chilled out captain that's going to cruise you up into altitude. And he's got funnies and he's feeling on point. When I hear my pilot just be like, things were flying and the temperature's this and that and that and doesn't say anything funny, pisses me off. I love it when the pilots are actually personable and they're like, yo, we in this together in this flying bus and let's go, Brandon. You know, that was funny. Anytime I fly, if the pilot says something funny, I'm like all game. You don't need to have a stick up your ass. You're my driver for the next whatever hours it's going to be. Let's make it fun. So, I mean, come on, seriously. So, so, so ridiculous. So ridiculous. So, I was thinking that I introduce you to a couple people before we start in with our topic. Uh, One thing is, I want to take us back in time to April, where in Phoenix, one of the cities that we should be focusing on. And and let let me talk about these cities. Miami, New Orleans, Houston, Austin, Phoenix, Los Angeles, San Francisco, Portland, Seattle, Chicago, Washington, D.C., Philadelphia, New York, and Boston. Now, for my Canadians, it would be Vancouver, uh, Toronto, and Montreal. Today, this episode is for you, majority for you, specifically that of uh, Seattle and Los Angeles, which are part of a steering committee. Now, we'll talk about that. Now, let me introduce you to um, (laughs) Governor Ducey and the Phoenix mayor. Here's where they were having a fight about shutting down parks. Uh, uh, Park, uh, uh, the Phoenix Park parking lot. Sorry. I want you guys to just listen to this parks debate. It's a two-minute clip. It's quite fascinating, but I want you to listen to it so we can understand what the differences are in the roles that these people play. Uh, within our communities, okay? Within our communities. It's important that we understand what type of job they do, what they do, and how they do. Let's go. Arizona's parks are open. All parks, everywhere, rural and urban. A battle brewing tonight over parks. Governor Ducey slamming the mayor of Phoenix for the city's decision to keep parking lots and park grills closed this Easter weekend for safety reasons. So what is allowed and what's not? ABC 15's Nicole Grigg with more on this political back and forth and what families can expect. Starting tonight, when the parks close, the gates will be going up and they're going to stay up throughout the entire weekend. 
want to go high. A nearly empty Rose Mofford sports complex on this Good Friday. But come this weekend, Phoenix officials are expecting two of the busiest days they see annually at City Parks for Easter. This Easter is going to be in the house because of COVID and everything. Families like Sierra Rose still apprehensive about going out. She was hoping to make it to church for Easter this year. It's something we do every year. Um, last year was when it first hit, so we couldn't do that last year either. So just one day at a time since everything is so up in the air. City parks will be open this year, but with temporary restrictions. Parking lots and grills will be closed at all Phoenix parks, but playgrounds will be open. You can have picnics and Easter egg hunts. But for some unknown reason, our state's largest city doesn't want you in your own public parks. The governor posting a video on social media Friday, taking aim at Phoenix Mayor Kate Gallego about those park restrictions. It's no secret that the two have barely communicated directly for most of this pandemic. These parks belong to the taxpayers, not to politicians. You fund them with your tax dollars. If we're really following the science, we know that being outdoors is safer. This is clearly nothing more than another political power grab. The mayor also firing back on social media, not holding back either, saying this decision was made unanimously in March by the council, she wrote. The city of Phoenix and its residents, not the governor of Arizona, own and operate the city parks at issue here. Gallego also going after the governor for lifting mitigation measures like masks saying in part the city of Phoenix will continue to be a leader in implementing measures to stop the spread of COVID-19. We would welcome you to join us in that effort. As for the parks, we're told that there will be park ambassadors making sure that the restrictions are enforced just like it was done last year. We're also told that they'll be keeping an eye on traffic and traffic flow. Reporting in Phoenix, Nicole Greg, ABC 15, Arizona. Park ambassadors. You mean Karens, you mean citizen patrol, you mean Chinese things. So what's the difference between douchey doocy and Kate, insane Kate, 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 right? Like she said, it's the citizens of Phoenix and it was a nine to zero point for the council. That's because they have interest. See, if you had a NASCAR suit for Kate, you'd have logos like um, uh, World Resources Institute, ICCT. Clinton Foundation, the World Bank, L'Oreal Climate Works, AXA, Robert Wood Johnson Foundation, Rockefeller Brothers Foundation, Open Societies, Wallace Global Fund. Uh, you would have the KR Foundation, Novo Nordisk. Wait, hold on. You'd have the UK government, uh, Federal Ministry of Germany, IKEA, Johnson & Johnson, Oak Foundation, Clear Air Fund, Arab, Ministry of Foreign Affairs of Denmark, the Luke's the Climate Change Collaboration, Deutsche Gelächt für International Zumarbeit, London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine, Climate KIC, Cities Alliance, and then the Greek Stav Stavros Niarchos Foundation. You know, they're actually like a rival with my family in the shipping industry. You know who Stavros Niarchos is? He's the guy that was dating Paris Hilton. Yeah, that guy. Uh, let's see. Eat European Climate Foundation. Click with a Q. UCLG, that's the United Cities and Local Government, CDP, Disclosure, Insight, and Action, and the Global Covenant, of, that sounds so witchy, of Mayors for Climate and Energy. See, in Phoenix, your mayor and your council should all have NASCAR suits with lo those logos on it because they don't work for the people. 
they do, they do what they're told. Now, let me, let's just go to a mayor um, who talked about, this is Mayor Dan Pope. And he's telling you what the job of a mayor is. I think it's interesting that we learn what the job of a mayor is. Let's listen to Dan Pope, the mayor. He's going to tell you everything you need to know. Here we go. Greetings, Mayor Dan Pope with the weekly update. I hope you've had a great week. It's a lot going on. Um, I, one of the, I guess the highlight of my week was to, my first opportunity to deliver the State of the City Address this week. We talked a little bit on the video last week. I enjoyed the process. I hope that uh, the message was well received. I've gotten pretty good feedback. Reminder, if you didn't get to see that, you can go to the city website at www.mylubbock.us and um, we, we have uh, both my slides as well as the uh, video. And I'm not sure the video is completely through being edited, but it should be maybe by the end of the day. So it'll be there for your for your viewing pleasure. Um, I, two things I want to talk about. I often get asked, what all you, what all do you do as mayor? I mean, what you know, other than council meetings, what, what all do you do? And so I thought it might be interesting to you. And you'll see why I'm so energized by doing this job. When I just this is the last ten days. It's just a, in addition to getting ready for the council meeting and working to work on the agenda and working with council members and staff and city manager. Um, I've met with uh, four large employers. So that's generally meeting with uh, either the leadership team or the CEO or the, the person who runs. The, and, I, and that's important. I've got one of those meetings, another one of those meetings this afternoon. I think that's important that I understand what's going on in our community. This morning, we had a breakfast where we had uh, 25 plus or minus home builders, developers, uh, realtors, apartment association, apartment owners that were here uh, to meet with the city manager and me and other members of staff. I think it was voice of the customer. We want to hear what's going on. I'm speaking at the Realtors Association lunch today. I had a meeting yesterday with bringing together uh, uh, LPNL and and our water utility and, and economic development folks to talk about how we can work together to better put our foot, foot forward when it comes, comes to economic development. So guys, this guy is uh, the, the, the mayor of Lubbock, Texas. Um, he's a pretty chill guy from what I see. Uh, he does these things online. This is from 2017, I think, where he tells people what he does. What does a mayor do? So he's explaining to the people what the job of a mayor really is. So I just want you to listen. This isn't one of the cities of concern. I just want you to listen to the differences. We met with the uh, met with TxDOT earlier this week to talk about our is our monthly briefing, but it's to talk about the projects we have going on together. I, I certainly spent time working on the State of the City address. I was at an LPL, LPNL board meeting on Tuesday afternoon after the State of the City, three and a half hours. Uh, I spent some time last Friday on a conference call with our I-27 consortium, a part of Ports to Plains, our efforts to extend I-27, which we've talked about. I've done two radio um, interviews, uh, spent uh, done five uh, TV interviews, I spent some time with the uh, youth development uh, uh, program hype helping youth purposely engage it was the former formerly known as new century leadership they came by city hall last week and i got to spend about 30 minutes with them 
spent time with uh, the folks from LEPA, Buddy Holly Hall, and the Baseball Hall of Fame, trying to work on those two projects. And they're going to be neighbors, and we want to make sure that we work through all of that. It was a good meeting with those guys. Had a lunch, had lunch with the city manager and chamber leadership for them to get to know him and to talk a little bit about what's on their agenda and our agenda. Yesterday afternoon, I got a chance to, uh, last night, I got a chance to present a proclamation to a local citizen who's retiring after 42 years working for this firm. And they, they asked if I would come by and just honor him real quickly. And it's really neat to be able to do something like that. So you can, that's a little flavor of what I get to do. I, I'm not signing any checks up here. That's not my job. Um, but I get, I talked about being the biggest cheerleader for the city. And some, some ways, I think that's what I get to do. And I, I'm really energized by it. I'm also energized by your support and your thoughts. One challenge, we need to take responsibility for our city. And that means setting a good example. There's too many places where there's trash on the ground or uh, just something that doesn't make a good impression and we walk by it. Do, do, do a, be a leader in that regard. Stop and pick up a piece of trash or two and put it in the trash can. Encourage somebody that you see littering to think a little bit more about that and before they before they drop trash on the ground. I mean, we we as citizens I mean, in the kind of civil society we live in, that's that's us. We need to take responsibility for that. That's not the government's role. It's not TxDOT or the or or the city or the county or Texas Tech. It's us. And um, I. Uh, I know that's maybe a bit preachy or a bit Pollyanna, but but that we need to do that, and that's we can make a difference. Each of you can can make a difference. So you do it in your own yards and probably your own businesses. I would I would appreciate you doing it on the streets, on city facilities, in the on sidewalks as you're walking through your neighborhood. It will make a difference. It's my great honor to serve as your mayor. I'm thankful for you and and for all you you do for me. Um, please let me know what we can do to help. Have a great weekend. I'll talk to you next week. Huh. A mayor. A mayor that's out there, told everyone, hey, this is what I've been up to. This is what I'm doing. Maybe we should all, you know, become leaders and take charge of our city. I love being your cheerleader. I'm trying to advocate for our city. That's what I do. Now, let me show you another mayor, okay? I'm going to show you a mayor who's on the view, <laughs> right? Here we go to New Orleans. <laughs> you chose our New Orleans. You got to deal with this. So this mayor also of a city in the United States, she's right here with Whoopi shooting the shit. Let's talk. This concerns about hospital workers right now. What what do you need the federal government to know and do? Well, as it relates to our hospitals right now, it is making sure that our first line, right, of defense, our, our medical workers, our medical professionals have the tools and resources that they desperately need to protect themselves as well as protect others. You know, that goes to PPE. That's also our stockpile of uh, ventilators. Uh, and it's making sure, again, uh, that we're meeting them where they are. But it even goes beyond uh, just uh, 
others that are on the line. So, for example, you have your our coroners, um, you know, our mortuaries, uh, those who have to deal with the dead. And so we're having to look at this comprehensively. And at the at the heart of it all, it goes right back to the supplies, the PPE, the ventilators, a surge capacity uh, that we have been very successful uh, getting off the ground in our convention center. Uh, we do expect, and as we see, for every 100 uh, positive cases, we're losing uh, five people. So 5% of every, they're, they're dying, and, and we do expect uh, that to increase. And so we're having to, one, not only talk about surge, but deal with um, how we deal with the dead. Uh, Mayor Cantrell, this is Megan. Um, hearing you say that is incredibly sobering. And yeah. I know, you know, all of the hosts on the show are huge fans of the city of New Orleans. And I was actually surprised that the Mardi Gras celebrations continued last month in February. And there were over a million people that gathered. There are experts that are saying that this could have accelerated the spread of the coronavirus throughout the city. Do you mm -hmm. regret in hindsight not canceling Mardi Gras? Well, when you say that uh, many were surprised, uh, that did not uh, hit the ground at all, nor did it hit the ground at the national level, uh, nor the state level. Uh, there were multiple uh, gatherings and events happening throughout the United States of America with over a million people uh, participating. So at that particular time, with no red flags given, with the federal government being embedded in our unified command, in planning and preparing uh, for Mardi Gras. Uh, there were no red flags with engaging a CDC at the time, again, in preparation, no red flags. Mardi Gras Day and leading up to it, I had special agents, federal agents on the ground uh, with our people. So when the city of New Orleans experienced our first case, which was around March the 9th. Did you guys hear that? She had federal agents on the ground for Mardi Gras, for our people there. Hold on a second. With the first case. Hold on a second. Wait a minute. Why would you have federal agents scoping the place for COVID? Are you paying attention to what she's saying? Because everybody tells you who they are and what they're doing. Again, why would she have federal agents? Let's rewind this. Right? And listen to the 15 seconds before that, what she was saying. Just listen carefully. Then, with the federal government being embedded in our unified command in planning and preparing uh, for Mardi Gras, uh, there were no red flags with engaging a CDC at the time, again, in preparation, no red flags. Mardi Gras Day and leading up to it, I had special agents, federal agents on the ground uh, with our people. So when the city of New Orleans experienced our first case, which was around March the 9th, I I moved to, I was the first actually in the state to end social gatherings, put a halt to events. One was St. Patrick's Day. The other one was our Super Sunday for our Mardi Gras Indians. Wait a minute. March 9th was the first case they had. Nobody up until the middle of March, nobody needed lockdowns. Something called red flags. She had the federal government embedded in her city.
And then she had boots on the ground with her people for Mardi Gras. And when the first case came, she shut shit down. Again, this is why they get away with everything. Because you don't listen. You just, I don't want to listen to what this idiot says. Fuck them. Huh? No, they're fucking you because they have to tell you rules of engagement and you're just not listening. So again, federal agents embedded then federal agents within her own people for Mardi Gras. And when they determined the first case, they shut shit down. You know, she, this mayor, along with the Kate, crazy Kate, KK Kate, right, in Phoenix, have something very in common. They share the same NASCAR suit, same funders, same money, same everything. So <clears throat> if people only, excuse me, if people only listened to what they tell them. So let's move along. Let's go to um, another uh, person who was running for mayor, Lee Jenkins, right? And uh, what he says, the role of a mayor is. I think it's interesting to listen to someone who um, was running. Uh, what they have to say, this is from October 4th, 2017. And um, this is from Roswell, New Mexico. I want you guys to listen to what he says. Because it's very important to listen to them. City of Roswell, Georgia. As I have been on the campaign trail the last few weeks, I have gotten the opportunity to meet hundreds of people. I have listened to your concerns, I have answered your questions, and I have learned so much from our conversations. One of the things I discovered is that a lot of people in Roswell really don't know what a mayor does. So I want to answer the question, what is the role of the mayor of Roswell? I'd like to enlighten you on a few issues you may not know. Number one, according to the city charter, the role of the mayor of Roswell is a nonpartisan role. That means the mayor of Roswell doesn't have to be a Democrat or a Republican. I happen to like that since I'm an independent. Number two, the mayor of Roswell is the CEO of the city government. That means this office is not just political, but it is also a business and a leadership role. Number three, Roswell City Government operates on a weak mayor system. Now many of you probably have never heard that term used, but that means the only time the mayor votes on an issue is when there is a tie on the city council. So the mayor's vote is only used to break a tie. Number four, the mayor's job is part-time. At least that's what the job description says. But in reality, we know it's a full-time job with part-time pay. But that's cool because whatever it takes to get the job done, that's what I'm going to do. Number five, the role of the mayor is to preside over the city council meetings. Number six, the mayor is the official spokesperson of the city. And lastly, number seven, the mayor represents the city for ceremonial purposes. So those are just a few of the responsibilities of the mayor of Roswell. Remember this, Roswell is ready for Lee Jenkins. All right, so I misspoke. It was Roswell, Georgia. 
I don't know why I said that. I knew it was Georgia. Uh, forgive me for that. Um, but he explained what the duties are, which is, you know, we oversee, um, you know, what they do. It's like, I'm a CEO. I am there only, you know, for ceremonial things. It's a part-time job. It's just obviously with bigger cities, it's, uh, it's more, you know, more in there, right? More in there. So it's really important that we kind of see what's going on. First of all, um, with 49% reporting, McAuliffe is at 43%. Youngkin is at 55.5. I mean, he already won. So next, um, I want to tell you why it's important to have control over your local communities, like I've said. For some reason, a lot of people think they're the underdog that, uh, you know, you're not. You're in charge. They tell you that again and again, you have no power because you yield all the power. It's kind of like this, um, have you guys seen this? Was it called the Umbrella Academy where the strongest mutant was this chick, right? That played a violin and created like a nuclear explosion or something, right? They kept her dumb. They were like, yeah, you have no powers. You're just a loser. You're this, you're that, you're this. And they kept her drugged with medicine. So you know, like fluoride in your water so that, uh, you know, you don't So she doesn't do anything. Right. And then, you know, suddenly you don't have fluoride in your water. Suddenly you don't give a shit what everyone's telling you that you have no powers and you're normal. You're just like, wait a minute. What? Let me just play this violin and you blow shit up. Right. You time travel, you just do shit, everything. This is exactly the same kind of situation. I mean, time travel, not yet, but you know, it's important for you guys to understand this. And this is why a lot of people today, they went down to their elections. I saw reports of things not working, machines not working, ballots not being done. Again, we're going to fuck shit up so much. Nobody gives a fuck what they do right now because it's all going to change. And it's going to change through your local communities first. And I think there's one thing, one more thing we need to do with RAGs. Um, toward, uh, right before Thanksgiving, we're going to organize for this one. Um, one more thing to follow our SCOTUS thing, regardless of the outcome of the temporary restraining order or not, we're still going to do this. We're going to hold them accountable. But after that, we're going to go after the people we're going to talk about today because they're that back door for all the things that nightmares have made of to enter into our nation. And though, you know, in my, in my state, there is no, you know, target, right. Of, you know, foreign influence, but it's in DC. It's in New York. It's in Boston. It's in Chicago. It's in new Orleans. It's in Houston, Austin, Los Angeles, San Francisco, Portland, and Seattle. And we can all distribute our efforts to those areas very nicely. And we will go to every single city and not only dismantle the mayor, but also the council. Every single one we will take down. We will recall every single one of them. We will install American citizens that do not have NASCAR outfits. And we will take it state, city by city. 
one by one. And I think we should start with Phoenix, considering they fucked a lot of shit up in Arizona for us with the election fraud, with all of this. I think we should start with Phoenix. It's warmer too and it's winter. I mean, you know, if we're going to travel like snowbirds, right, why not go there? Right? Why not go there? So, you know, maybe we'll get t-shirts, you know, for Kate. I should, I should make her one with all her little NASCAR things. Maybe I will put a billboard in front of her fucking building that says Kate should, is not serving us and her council is not serving us. Here's, here's who owns her. Here are all the logos. And then once we're done with Phoenix, we move to the next one and the next one and the next one and the next one and we fix it. This is the first step because this is the biggest back door and they unapologetically do it. Because they tell you everything they do. It's very unfortunate that people don't pay attention. Just like she told you. Right before all that COVID, she had federal agents embedded. Then she had them within her people. Until the first case came and she shut that shit down. Kate was ecstatic. I have to get this. I got to shut down parts. I got to put Karens there to make sure nobody goes on a swing during Easter. Houston. Austin, all of them, we'll go through each and every one of them tonight, and I will showcase to you just how ugly and bad this is and why it's so important, why it's so important. So on that note, let's take a little short break, fill up those coffee cups, wine glasses, whatever you're drinking, and um, I'll see you in just a bit. Lately, USA is getting scarier. Half of the Americans I see all hate America. They hate the cops doing their best to take care of us and kneel for the flag and salt the soldiers that we're burying. I'm tired of the pissing and complaining. Why you living in America if all you do is hate it? You think it's brave to take a stand against the nation? Real bravery is dying for the right so you can say it. Dear America, what happened to Americans? Apparently no one's aware or cares that it's embarrassing. It's arrogance. Our greatest enemy was always slavery and terrorists. And now it's people in the country trying to burn the heritage. I can't help it, I just seem to see the world different It ain't Republicans or liberals, it's mental illness The internet is only interested in left opinions Cancel culture's got more power lately than the First Amendment If you don't like it, leave, we will not debunk police We don't want no riots in our neighborhoods or in the streets We respect freedom of speech, we protect what we believe We don't want nobody dead, so please do not tread on me In America, the freedom ain't free In America, got soldiers dying overseas So America, know what the hell happened to the patriots lately this nation is so ashamed and hating itself did everyone forget that people died to pay for this ungratefulness united states gave everything to you just to help i just want to celebrate thanksgiving with my family i don't need your help to understand it was a tragedy can i just be thankful for my country eating happily without you trying to kill me for the genocide and casualties I can't help it, I just seem to see the world different It ain't black or white, it's conflict designed by the system I don't need your pronouns, all I see is men and women Kids are taking pills for fun while people can't afford prescriptions If you don't like it, go, hate it, then don't call it home We don't need no violence, got no time for all you radicals Screw status quo, we're not animals I won't kneel for the anthem, cause the flag is what I'm standing for In America, your freedom ain't free In America, got soldiers dying overseas So America, you can say what we believe my America, I won't ever take a knee Our freedom is the reason you can disrespect our flag If my stars and stripes offend you, then I'll help you back your back 
hate the government and still love the country The fundamental values of America are country Republicans and liberals are dumb to put it bluntly They're labels that they use to create chaos and corruption You can know the history and still be proud of where you're from Every flag around the world is covered in a little blood We started out United States, divided is what we've become If home is where the heart is, you should show America some love In America Yeah, I always volunteered to pay Rosie O'Donnell's ticket to send her the fuck wherever she wanted to go when she was like, not my president. Well, <laughs> I think a lot of people are not my president because they love our stickers, both left and right. Isn't that incredible, though? I just wanted, before we get into all this, I wanted to say, isn't it incredible how we've brought the left and the right together through stickers and billboards and, hey, we got Antifa on our side, some of them, right? Not the Antifa, the organization that's being paid and funded, but the dildo waivers, you know, the ones that are stupid, the granola munching liberals, you know, the crazy ones. We also got Black Lives Matter to work with us. Black Lives Matter to denounce everything. This is this is this is it. This is it. This is how we bring both sides together. Slowly and patiently. The sticker brigade that is out has swept across the nation. Everybody loves it. Everybody loves it because they agree. Every time someone bitches, I'm like, well, they wanted Biden, didn't they? <laughs> Won't you, don't you want those mean tweets back? As long as your food's not high and your gas is low and they have to nod. Yep. That's what's up. So let me show you something that you're probably not aware of. Well, you know, a lot of people have talked about smart cities, smart cities, smart cities. But, you know, there's a Davos <coughs> that was going on today, uh, and not in Davos, in Scotland, uh, that um, only mayors of nations, all nations come. These are the cities that participate, your cities, our cities. Cities that are supposed to be serving Americans are at this uh, international meeting. Here they are, Vancouver for Canada. Seattle. They're actually one of the um, committee member ones. I just wanted to show you guys all the nations that participate. Okay. Uh, you know, <clears throat> it's interesting. These are all the cities that participate here. Oh, shit. Look at that. China. China, 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 China. Shit ton of Chinese mayors, right? China. China. Look at all these. Poland, Russia, Greece, Madrid. I just want to show you the other nations. India, India, Pakistan, UAE. Great. Sounds interesting. In North America, obviously, these are all the cities that participate. And then we have <clears throat> South and West Asia, Jordan, UAE, Pakistan. We already did that. Hold on. Latin America. Here we go. Colombia, Argentina, Brazil, Mexico, Peru, Colombia, Mexico, Ecuador, Brazil, Brazil, Chile, Brazil. So all of these are mayors, mayors from these cities. And then we go to Africa. 
So we got South Africa, Kenya, Nigeria, South Africa again, Sierra Leone, South Africa again, South Africa again, Tanzania, Senegal, South Africa again, Ethiopia, Ghana, and Kodua. Okay, let's see. Let's see these uh, incredible <coughs> cities. Sorry. So we have steering committee members, which are Los Angeles and Seattle. They're like the head honchos. We got Portland, San Francisco, Phoenix, Austin, Houston, New Orleans, Miami, Washington, Philly, New York, Boston, Chicago. As for Canada, we've got major cities, Montreal, Toronto, and Vancouver. I think we should start here because they've, they've seen a lot of us and we got an AG that's pretty, pretty friendly. Once we're done with there, we got to go for the easy target, which is New Orleans. New Orleans is a little bit tired of everything going on. And then we're going to hop on over to Austin and Houston. I think Austin, we're going to leave alone. That's like dildo waiver central right now, right? We're going to leave them after, I guess, Miami. So we're going to go Houston, Miami. That's the thought, right? Portland, of course, we're going to tackle with Seattle. But first, we got to take out a few of these cities. And each process should take us about 90 days. Um, because if we get boots down running, it's quick, quick, quick. Now, why? Well, let me show you why. Maybe you should listen to what they had to say today so you can understand why. So let's get with Garcetti, uh, Los Angeles's mayor, who tells you what they're going to do. And, you know, it was very interestingly put to me today. Um, have you ever heard these people speak, even Biden, at these foreign meetings? And these mayors, how they speak. Let me tell you how they speak. We pledge that we're going to do this. We pledge we're going to, like, I don't know, do the do -si do every day in the town square. Hold on, hold on a second, dude. Did you ask anyone in your city that you can do this? Why are you pledging shit when you're elected and you're representing people? Where do you come from pledging shit? In order to do something as a city, you got to do like a measure. We got to vote yes or no. Like, how do you pledge shit? How do you just go there and say, we pledge to, wait a minute. You can't pledge shit. You represent the people. So again, how do you pledge things? How do you say, I'm pledging this, I'm pledging that? No, but you work for the people of Los Angeles. You don't work for your funders, which I'll show you after you listen to what he had to say. You need to listen to this. Let's see. Let's get him from the beginning. There it is. Okay. He's coming on now. On Zoom. So, so please, please give a huge round of applause to our chair, Mayor Gossett. Thank you so much, Mark. You brought tears to my eyes, um, as all of us who are in public service so often have to put on our public face. Here in front of the world's largest television, which we've bought a, a small forest in the Scottish Highlands to offset the uh, emissions from this alone. But thank you so much for the amazing work that you have done for hosting us so beautifully. Um, we know how much work goes into hosting, so thank you uh, for your beautiful words as well. 
and to my fellow brother and sister mayors, Annie Dalgo, who laid the foundation for um, my chairmanship by her incredible chairwomanship, it has been an honor to serve alongside you and each and every one of you who I know has traveled from so far to be here, to our staffs, to our supporters. You know, oftentimes we think about our service as mayors as being quite lonely and solitary. We, people look up to us, people ask us for direction, but I think it's when we come together that we realize that we are not alone, a theme I want to come back to a little bit later. When we were looking ahead to this moment, Mark, a year ago, I knew C40 had an immense opportunity and responsibility to show up at COP. And I love your framing, Mark, because this isn't so much about what's happening there. Oftentimes, citizens of the world look to their quote-unquote leaders to deliver change. Instead of understanding that change comes from each one of us as human beings, whether we have a title for a short period of our time as elected officials, as CEOs, as leaders of organizations, at our schools, those titles are less important than what we as human beings can do at any given time. And to show that the citizens of the world live citizens of the world live in cities and joining together with our partner networks, we have set our eyes on the North Star of the change we need to bring about in order to save our planet. This global emergency demands this moment. That's why I'm so proud that C40, for the first time, we've really gone a little bit outside even our own tribe, together with ICLE, the Global Covenant of Mayors, CDP, UCLG, WWF, and the World Resources Institute. If you want to think of yourselves as a movie, this would be the Avengers. And we called all the different groups, all the different superheroes together to address this threat and to launch the city's race to zero. And we partnered with United Nations high-level champions for climate action to build a movement of global cities committed to reaching net zero emissions by 2050 and to cut our fair share of that in half by 2030. That's the end of this decade, my friends. To me, that makes me nervous, and to me, it makes me excited. That's this decade in which we will deliver the proof that we are halfway there already. And so when I went to Mark and I said, well, maybe we could go a little bit more than 97 cities, I'm sure he thought, well, okay, we'll get double that or triple that. And I put a, a number out there. I said, what if we came to Glasgow with a thousand cities that were committed in every continent of the world, every corner of this globe to this action? It's been a lot of hard work by a lot of mayors here, by a lot of people who have stepped up in our networks, like Tom Cochran's here from the U.S. Conference of Mayors, Kate, her work with, uh, in my country, climate mayors. And I'm proud to announce that today we have one 1,049 cities that have stepped up to commit to this covenant. You can see it right here. This is incredible. And yesterday, on your behalf, we had the world leaders all on that main stage, and for the first time, which is unique at this conference, the 26th that finally happened, a few of us were able to speak as non-heads of state. I was there, not as me, but because of you, representing all of the mayors, to announce that this was the biggest commitment outside the national 
commitments that we will hear here at COP. In fact, it's the equivalent of 733 million global citizens taking 1.5 gigatons of carbon out of this Earth's atmosphere. And if you wanted to rank that, that's like taking a country that would be somewhere between the fifth and fourth most populous countries in the world and eliminating their carbon because of this pledge. That deserves another round of applause. So from Kinshasa to Heidelberg, from Salvador to Osaka, cities around the world are committed to limiting warming to 1.5 degrees Celsius to avoid catastrophic climate shifts because we feel it. Our people feel the floods, the fires. We see and understand that this is a human fight, not about tons of carbon, not about statistics. This is about people. And it's only happening because so many mayors from cities large and small joined us as well. So I'd like to ask our Cities Race to Zero champion mayors, some that went above and beyond a few to step up right now for a quick picture. And then we're going to later on, don't worry, do a picture with all the mayors that are here. But because on top of their daily work, they went and recruited even extra cities to get us to this number, I'd like to invite Claudia Lopez to come up here, Ani Hidalgo to come up here, Kate Gallego to come up here, and Anna Koenig-Ilmer to come up here as well. As you can see, the women were the champions. Thank you again to our champion mayors, alcaldesas, um, and all of our Cities Race to Zero partners, and all of the mayors who stepped up. I know a lot of you called the neighboring city or another city around the globe to make us get there, but this is an incredible piece of history. When I was backstage yesterday, I was thinking, I was, I, I was the most popular speaker yesterday because I was the last speaker. So when I was backstage by myself, I was thinking about my daughter, Maya, uh, who's nine years old, who might ask, or maybe her children will ask, what did you do, daddy or grandpa? And I thought that we all can say we were here and we did this. So thank you again to everybody who has taken time here today. We know quite simply that this is, as the United Nations has told us, a code red emergency. Two years ago, we gathered in Copenhagen for the World Mayor's Summit. And we decided in that year, 2019, we would look at the 2020s as a decade of action, the climate decade, and that we would write a global Green New Deal written by the world's mayors. Six months later, everything turned upside down. The world changed for all of us. A pandemic hit our cities. It brought suffering and loss, greater trauma than I think we've ever experienced. So I don't, I don't know about you, but I need to listen to that math for a second. And let's just use our ears and not our eyes. Let's listen to that math a bit. When did they get together and six years later, how it's a problem? Just listen to that math. For a second. There we go. I think that's it. I was, the, I, I was the most popular speaker yesterday because I was the last speaker. So when I was backstage by myself, I was thinking about my daughter, Maya, uh, who's nine years old, who might ask or maybe... Thank you again to everybody who has taken time here today. We know quite simply that this is, as the United Nations has told us, a code red emergency. Two years ago, we gathered in Copenhagen. Two years ago, they gathered in Copenhagen. For the World Mayor's Summit. And we decided in that year, 2019, we would look at the 2020s 
as a decade of action, the climate decade, and that we would write a global Green New Deal written by the world's mayors. Six months later, everything turned upside down. The world changed for all of us. Six months, sorry, and I again misspoke. I'm, I'm so sorry, guys. I'm so off my game. So six months later, they spoke. <laughs> Want to hear something funny? So what's really funny is, is that these guys got together in Copenhagen, right, in Denmark, and they had these discussions. And then at the same time, the governors of the United States also had a meeting in November of 2019. So weird. So weird. And they're... Um, most loved speaker was brought in by one of the governors, his friend, uh, actually business partner. So while these governors are sitting and talking in 2019, wait, uh, right? <coughs> Bill Gates is their speaker. Here we have mayors of our cities getting together and creating a plan. They tell you everything, everything. A pandemic hit our cities. It brought suffering and loss, greater trauma than I think we've ever experienced in our lives. I know for mayors, we picked up the phone to talk to families of our citizens who have died. We saw friends and coworkers in the hospital. We've lost so much, not just our economies, not just our people and our lives, but we feel like we were cheated out of time. Two years almost has just gone by. It's been an excruciating road, but as Mark said, one of the things that got me through it was this network of C40. To be able to travel this road together with my fellow mayors and that Zoom call that Mark mentioned, probably one of now 10,000 that we've done, but still the most moving one I've ever participated in. When 50 of us nearly came together at the beginning of that pandemic, as I shared with the executive board last night, where we saw what drive-through testing was in Seoul, Korea, and we heard what it was like to have hospitals filled up in the hallways and people dying. And, you know, Sadiq told me yesterday about a meeting he had with his national government, in which he was describing how mayors and cities were sharing this information hourly, whereas national governments were sometimes taking weeks and months to figure out how to get this information to one another. I don't overstate this to say that I believe that the work of the mayors here through C40 saved millions of lives, millions of lives. And I want to thank you all for the strength you have given one another and, of course, our citizens. But we never govern alone. Mayors are only as strong as the coalitions we build. And so it's also been the youth who themselves probably felt like the most of their lives has been robbed. Those students who had to be at home in the best years of their life, who missed graduations and proms, who missed those moments that were most important. And I want to thank the youth leaders who have fueled this moment and who have fueled this movement as well. Our friends in labor and business who are making sure we don't leave prosperity behind. And most of all, our funders, SIF, Bloomberg Philanthropies, and Rildania. We literally wouldn't be here without you, and we're so grateful for your ongoing support, as well as so many others who contribute to us. I think if there's any silver lining of the last year and a half, it's what we've learned, that everyone, from mayors to everyday citizens, have become familiar with the language of public health, right? We didn't know that a couple of years ago, many of us.
And it's very relevant for us because the language of public health in a virus-based pandemic is the same language we must harness in order to deal with the public health emergency of this climate crisis. Because this isn't just about warming cities, this is about citizens dying. Every time we have a hot day in Los Angeles, people die. Seniors. We see people in vulnerable communities. In the global south, where people can't get to air conditioning, where people die because of what happens with global warming. But we've learned a new language. Certainly with a pandemic, we know how to track case numbers in our cities, stay in close communication with each other, figure out how to build networks. And as we know, at the international level, while information sharing has been spotty, consensus has been hard to find. Look right now at the COP and the negotiations. At the local level, it's frictionless, it's seamless, it's who we are, it's in our nature. And that's the thing about mayors. We are intensely proud of the cities we represent, right? We all represent the best city in the world, don't we? But each one of us also speaks a universal language and have an unbreakable bond and loyalty to one another. We know that what happens in Joburg affects Los Angeles. We can be sure that what works in Mexico City can be applied in Seoul. And so in the face of this unprecedented crisis, I challenge you all to continue to collaborate even more. So while he's speaking, for those of you that are listening on podcast, I'm showing off the partners. I want you to pay attention to the partners because this is very curious. The International Council on Clean Transportation, Transportation. The Institute for Transportation and Development Policy. So these guys create the policies for transportation. These guys provide the transportation. Clinton Foundation is another one of the four partners. And who's the last one? The World Bank. So these are the partners. Now, now let's look <clears throat> at their actual funders. Hold on. Because this is important. So we, the major funders. So these mayors. And, you know, it's, it's, it's important that we um, target all these new cities, like you saw, Kansas City, Missouri. We need a list with all of these thousand cities, and we need to target the U.S. ones. The ones that are not strategic partners yet and listed as such, we take out first. I think those would be easy peasy. Here's who they take orders from. Uh, the Ministry of Foreign Affairs in Denmark. Real Dania, Real Dania, Real Denmark. Children Investment Fund Foundation, the SIF. This is known to be linked with crimes against children, CIC. And then we have Bloomberg Philanthropies. Very interesting. Now, major funders, <coughs> Ministry of Foreign Affairs of Denmark just some random consultant, the Oak Foundation. Whoa. This is a whoa. You know, because they hate carbon-based. Actually, it's eliminating the carbon base. The carbon. What? Who's carbon-based? Oh, that's right. All life is carbon-based. I forget. Uh, so Oak. Oak. Big tree. Big tree. Foundation. Clean Air Fund. Hmm. UK government. German. Federal Ministry. Denmark, UK, Germany. Denmark, UK, Germany. Denmark, UK, Germany. IKEA, the fuck? They just make cheap furniture. What's going on here? Johnson & Johnson. 
Huh. So now we go to other funders. Novo Nordisk, very interesting. Open Societies Foundations, Wallace Global Funds. What else? Rockefeller Brothers Fund? Are you seeing a pattern here? Can you see what is going on here? What is a global covenant of mayors for climate and energy? Let's find out more. 1,000 cities. What? 11,708 cities that have 1.011 billion people with 24 billion tons of carbon dioxide by 2030. Agenda 2030, right? 100 plus global partners. Interesting. We're stronger together. Where did we hear that before? Oh, that's right. Clinton Foundation is one of the partners. So, I mean, stop. Stop. What's this? UN Habitat, Euro Cities, Climate Alliance, European Commission. I don't see any US funding here. Do you guys? Because I'm just totally not seeing it. But I see a lot of foreign influence in their uh, actions foreign influence in their actions. I think all of you should like pull up your city charters right quick before they change that shit. Download your city charter and see what it says about foreign influence. Oh, there isn't one? Then you remove them because there are now. There's your foreign influence. This is really important. Here's their cities. I want to see the U.S. cities that they're talking about. Let's select a region. We want North America. Let's select a country. <clears throat> United States. Let's go. All right. Almeida, California, Aurora, Illinois, Belfast, Maine, Birmingham, uh, Alabama, Clarkston, Georgia, Leclerc, Wisconsin, Flagstaff, Arizona, La Crosse, Wisconsin. You know, it seems like it's all these states that had very specific problems. Think about it. Lancaster, California, Lexington, Massachusetts, Medford, Massachusetts, Miramar, Florida, New York City, New York, Park City, Utah, Salem, Massachusetts, Santa Cruz, California, Santa Fe, New Mexico, St. Petersburg, Florida, Urbana, Illinois, Washington, D.C., Wafleet, Massachusetts, Carmel, Indiana, Los Angeles, California, Chicago, Illinois, Miami, Dade, Florida. Hey, DeSantis, what you doing? Houston, Texas, King County, Washington, Philadelphia, Phoenix, San Diego. Wait a minute. Seven pages long. Let's keep going. I, please let there be Cleveland, Ohio, which I just saw. Oh, my God. This is going to be so much fun. So much fun. So as you can see, we've got a shit ton of cities that have signed up for the Global Covenant of Mayors for Climate and Energy, right? This is like their first step. This is the initiation step. West Palm Beach, Florida. You see that? Damn, right? Damn. I mean, is there any way that I can wait? Let's see. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm counting. Mm. Damn. Okay, so they have 30 cities in all. Let me go to the last page. So we've got seven times 30. That's 210 cities in the United States that we got to get with. The main cities are those uh, cities that were on the map. They're the ones that are the most important. So again, as you could see, it's your actual mayors in your city council. Again, no one ever went within, right? No one went to their city council meetings unless it had to do something with your house, right? This is a problem. And if you see, there's many commonalities in these cities once they get put together. 
So this is something that we're not going to start right now. We're going to start that around December where we can start organizing and figuring out how we remove them. We'll figure out in each city what the city charters say and see how we can strike it best. I think if we charge them all with treason or foreign influence, I think that would be the easiest way. No need to remove them and do all this shit. It's foreign influence in our nation. We don't give a fuck. You've got foreign nations on paying you, right? We need NASCAR suits ready. Get those memes ready. We got this shit going on right here. We got George Soros going on over here, right? George Soros, right? Right here. Open society. The found, the, come on. Like, you don't need to remove them. You know what? We don't even need to petition. We need to sue them. Sue them and disbar, dis appoint them from their position. City and state laws have to have something about foreign influence. This is how we get them. I don't give a shit what they say. This is foreign interference. This is how it goes. You are making decisions for our city. You are making pledges without votes and you are being influenced by foreign nations. Game over. This isn't how we're supposed to be working in the U.S. We don't take orders from Germany. We don't take orders from Denmark who is above UK. Big deal here, guys. That's a very big deal. Damn Greenland. We don't take orders from any of these nations. And we definitely don't take orders from the UN. So we got to find a way, all of us, just let that simmer for a bit. We don't have to run at it. There's a shit ton of evidence and a shit ton of years that they've been doing this. And they think they're going to get away with it and they're not. So what we need to do is think smart. Oh, I'm going to petition. I'm going to remove you. I'm going to run against you. No, fuck you. I'm going to take you to court. I'm going to remove you and bar you from ever having any office. And I'm going to make my legislators change the fucking law and say that it is a crime because that's what we're going to push for. We want crimes. Obviously, we're not prosecutors. So because we can't prosecute, we got to go through civil and we got to show that they're influencing our local communities with foreign influence, which is a breach of our national security. I think there's an executive order for that shit. I just really think so. And you know the best way to make executive orders stick? Fucking make case law with it too. So, you know, these are the things that you need to look at. Don't fret. Don't be like, oh my God, this person's been elected. I don't care. I don't care. It doesn't matter. You have violated your oath. Hold and defend the Constitution of the United States and that of my state. Bullshit. <coughs> Bullshit. You're pushing ideologies that are being paid for. They're flying you around on jets and you're sitting there and you're recruiting people all granola munching and so proud of yourselves. Look at this. Look at all this foreign influence. None of, none of this shit. Is American. I mean, I mean, if you want to say that, you know, the Clinton Foundation is American, I mean, go ahead. You know, but look at it. I mean, Bloomberg, he's knighted, isn't he? I mean, he's kind of not really. Everything is foreign influence. Do you see? This is how you fuck him up. By taking the angle they don't expect you to say. But Tori, you just tell the enemy what you're going to do. Yeah, I got 20 years of proof. Oh, they can't make that go away. Are they going to say that they're not going to do it anymore? Nope. They just went and pledged that shit. See, this is how you win. You tell them they're like, they're not going to do shit. And then they can watch the train wreck happen and be like, oh, what's that? 
And you know what's even worse? It's like you guys saw how many Chinese cities were involved. I mean, you know, it's only a portion. So this is something that we're, you know, over the holidays, we're going to develop. And then we're going to strike down real hard in January. We go to our state courts. We don't even have to go to federal court. We'll file a shit ton of them in every state. A shit ton of them in every state. And you take them down for foreign interference, foreign influence, breach of national security. I don't feel safe. My mayor's doing whatever these people that are paying him a shit ton of money to do are doing. Is he getting money? No, he's probably got it in an offshore. I can't prove it. But my problem is, is that he's going around and talking and he's being represented and funded by this person. And he has some mayor covenant that is not in the charter that says that he can make agreements with foreign nations and say that we're having a covenant together and that he's pledging shit live on TV at all these meetings with no votes from me. I'm the citizen. I say if we pledge anything. If I don't say, yeah, yeah, let's like kill all the cows because they do methane gas, you can't go and pledge that shit. You can't pledge that shit. So if you can't pledge that shit, you need to shut the fuck up and do your job. And that's what damn Pope said, right? Which is, I'm here for my city. I'm the biggest city cheerleader. I cheerlead the city. In this instance, what we see is that they're big cheerleaders for the UN and whatever their funders tell them to do. Oh, wait, there's more. Communicate even more and innovate even more. And most of all, it is time for us to accelerate. We can brag we are doing more than any other level of government, but we need the humility to say none of us are doing enough. None of us are doing it quickly enough, deeply enough, and we're not doing it with enough commitment. If, as Mark has mentioned to me, $13 trillion in this globe has been mobilized in less than two years to address a pandemic, but we can't find $100 billion a year globally to finance the global south and the needs of climate change, something still is wrong. Two years after we announced the decade of action, it's clear this needs to be the decade of exponential action. When I told Mark and the C40 team that we would come to Glasgow with a coalition that was 1,000 cities strong, I'm sure it stressed him out, but we did it. <laughs> it stressed Anna out. <laughs> Instead of thinking about our organizations, though, and the size of our geography and cities, we focused on the planet, and we found each other. We all stretched a little further each day to get a goal that seemed out of reach. All over the world today, my friends, cities are stretching. Because though we are often referred to as the laboratories of progress, you've heard that before, I think we're more than that. We are the factories of the future. We are deciding and implementing the actions about how we heat and cool our buildings, how we move around in transportation networks, how we generate our electricity, and so much more. Two-thirds of C40 cities, like so many cities that are here today, have set targets that meet or exceed the Paris commitments on time or early. There is just one nation in the world, the Gambia, that has done the same. And I say that not to shame my nation or any other nation, but to inspire them. Because what are nations made up of? Cities. The Greek word for politics comes from the same word as city, polis. People came to the city to engage in politics, not because it was a dirty word, but because it was a necessity of life. And the city itself came into being to preserve life, but it exists for the good life, as Aristotle once said in politics. So now we must define both our survival and what the good life means. In other words, will we have an earth 
and if the earth is here, how do we make sure everybody prospers in it, that no one is left behind? That is the promise of a global Green New Deal. And we can be proud that cities are doing more than any level of government, but still we need to do more. So I have a simple message to conclude my remarks today with. Whatever you think is impossible, whatever scares you most, do it. If you've been on this journey for a while like I've been, what seems like a bold promise this year will seem meek next year. What you think is absolutely impossible or too expensive to do will be absolutely possible and cheaper than you imagine in the next decade. Show courage. Your people have elected you to show courage. Mike Bloomberg told me when I first became mayor, he said, Mayor, the decisions that people look back on now that they are most proud of me having made were the ones that they most disliked at the moment. It's a tough place to sit as leaders, to make decisions that people say, don't do that. Don't build this. Don't change that. Don't make me pay for something now. But the cost of inaction is too much. And if you don't think it can be done, I said from the stage yesterday, if you think we are just mayors selling snake oil, if you don't think you can electrify your bus fleet, go to Shenzhen and see it. If you don't think you can cut the pollution in your city center in half, go to London and breathe it. If you don't think that you can plant one million trees while creating jobs and supporting local businesses, go to Freetown. And if you don't think you can make an electricity network that is 100% powered by renewable energy, come to Los Angeles and watch it happen. In other words, we are the testament, the material incarnation of what our aspirations at the national and international level are today. We are a stubborn species. We want to live. We want to survive. We want our children to do better than us, and we want to make progress. And in the midst of a crisis, as we've demonstrated in this last year and a half, and it certainly isn't over, we will find a way forward. We developed COVID vaccines in record time, so don't tell me we can't find proven alternatives to coal. We figured a way to keep our businesses open when we couldn't visit them. We moved our restaurants outdoors, our classrooms online, so don't tell me we can't have zero-carbon buildings. We set up drive-through testing, eventually mass vaccination sites that we still need to bring to the global south. Vaccine equity is still alive and well, my friends, but we showed that in some places, so don't tell me we can't phase out single-use plastics. Human beings have barely lived with them for most of our history. And don't tell me we can't achieve racial justice in the midst of a public health crisis. In fact, the pandemic has shown us and put into this organization even deeper in our DNA that equality must guide us. As cities, we are deeply connected, and there is a power in that connection. So I'll conclude with this story. Oftentimes, being a mayor, you feel like a tree out there in the field. It's a beautiful tree that blossoms, your unique strength of your timber. But every summer, my family and I would travel to the state in America of Wyoming, which is a vast open space. And I used to ride a horse up into every single day for about eight hours and go up into the beautiful aspen groves. These are trees that are similar to birch trees here in Europe. They've got a white bark in the late months of the summer. The leaves start changing from green to yellow and to orange and to red. And the thing about aspen trees is you look at them and you think each one is separate, just like our cities. But 
They have different sizes and appearances. They're spread across many acres. But research showed us over time that these are not solitary trees. They, in the forest, are a single organism with interlocking roots. You see, the mature ones put all of their energy into an enormous shared root system so that new sprouts can be formed, so that the grove can grow and regenerate and live for hundreds, even thousands of years. That's what C40 is. That's what this network of mayors and cities is. Our roots are joining together, my friends. We are part of a single living organism. We are stronger and we thrive because of that bond that exists just under the soil. Our common goals, our interlocking efforts. So let's tend to those roots that bind us. Let's nurture new connections and let's distribute the nourishing solutions that we know and that we must bring throughout the grove. And let's save this planet. Let's invest in our people and let's leave no one behind. Thank you very much. So they all tell you who they are. They all tell you what their plans are. So now let's go to Bloomberg, who's one of the major funders, and hear what he had to say. And guess what? Garcetti gets to talk again, obviously, because he is the most important. And obviously we had Khan, you know, who said, you know, terrorist shit, parse, part and parcel, remember? And it's like, what? You need to listen to what they're telling you. Oh, you know, where it's uh, right beneath the soil and we're going to do this and eliminate all carbon. You got to be specific with that stuff. Take a listen to what Bloomberg has to say. He's the board president, the UN Secretary General's special envoy, and the 108th mayor of New York City. I want you to listen. By the way, let me know if you guys see a stepping stool. Okay? Let me zoom this in so you could tell me while I'm swapping stuff if he's getting on a stepping stool. That'll be fun to see. Hold on. Let's see. Stepping stool? Who knows? Well, Mayor Khan, thank you very much, and hello, everyone. Uh, when the mayor talked about seven million people, I had just walked into the front row, turned my back looking for the seven million. Uh, you're a representative group of the seven million, but hardly a majority. Hopefully the majority does understand why you're here and what you're trying to do to help everybody in this world, not just the seven million in London or the Eric Company people in Los Angeles, four million, uh, eight million in New York. There's uh, something like seven and a half billion people in the world and we all breathe the same air, we all drink the same water, so we have a responsibility to, uh, to try to help. Great to be here in Glasgow uh, during this critical moment for the world and an important day for C40. And I'm looking forward to working with um, you, Sadiq, our new chair. Uh, but I want to start, start by thanking Eric, who's uh, uh, overnight becoming your predecessor, a new title. 
Um, and during his tenure, which has been a very difficult time, we've made some real progress, and he has certainly done his part. Cities, as we all know, are on the front lines of the pandemic, something else that we had to face that we didn't really count on when the C40 was formed. Um, but the fact that we've been able to make so much progress is really a testament to Eric and his team's hard work and a challenge to Sadiq and the rest of us to carry it on and take it to the next level. Uh, Eric mentioned how the successful Race to Zero campaign has been. That's going to make a big impact. And with C40 working closer than ever with the, covenant, uh, the global covenant of mayors, we really do have an opportunity to rally even more cities uh, to the cause. And at the same time, Eric has continued to push Los Angeles forward. And you should know that his city, if he didn't mention it, sorry, I wasn't here for that, uh, it is now, he never brag about this, it is now home to more solar and EV chargers than any other American city. So thank you very much. Uh, I don't own a car, but if I did, it would be an electric car, and I'd be very grateful for those charging stations. Uh, seriously, this organization has always had great leadership, from Eric to former chairs, Maya Ann Hidalgo, Maya, and uh, David Miller. Uh, David, where are you? Uh, raise your hand. Ah, there you are. Uh, we welcome the French and the Canadians. Uh, we, the Brits and Americans, I guess. Actually, it's not clear what America does, but that's a whole other issue. And now we're fortunate to have the mayor of London, Sadiq Khan, taking over. Uh, under his leadership, the city of London has been setting a great example to the world for, for years in so many things, and we're glad to work with him and his team on a number of issues, especially air pollution. Uh, he knows that climate change is a public health issue as much as an environmental one, and so we have supported his work to install neighborhood air quality sensors, especially near schools, and we've just announced that we are expanding that work to lower income areas around London that are disproportionately impacted by air pollution. Uh, Sadiq, you should know, was also one of the first mayors of a global city to develop a plan for reaching carbon neutrality. And London has already reduced its emissions by almost one-third compared to 1990 levels. So a great start. Just got to keep it going. Uh, we've seen firsthand that uh, Sadiq does understand that po the power of cities have to improve people's lives through climate action while also setting examples for national governments to follow. Uh, I've uh, pointed out that in America, we closed coal-fired power plants at the same rate under Donald Trump that we did under Barack Obama. Uh, so it just shows you that the national governments really aren't uh, the only thing that's important. It's great to have them along, but the truth of the matter is it's at the city level where we create the need for the power that is generated by coal. And so if we could reduce the energy consumption in the cities, we would be reducing coal usage dramatically. Uh, my urge to you is before you go out in the morning, you don't need it in Glasgow, but uh, turn off the air conditioner and do some simple things like that, and you really can make a big difference when people say, what can I do? The truth of the matter is each of us can really do something. And if you don't pollute a little bit, 
all around the world, seven and a half billion people benefit. If you do pollute a little bit, the reverse is true. Um, this is critical to understand that we have this in our hands. The pivotal movement for the world, I think, is when everybody says, I'm not going to take it anymore, and forces their companies and their governments and their families and themselves to pay attention, to understand the challenge that we face, to understand the risks that we run if we don't do what we need to do, and the fact that it is not hopeless. It's just difficult. Uh, nobody wants to sacrifice. I understand that. I don't want to sacrifice either. But I do want to breathe clean air. I do want to drink clean water. I do want that for my children and my grandchildren and anybody that follows after that. So we're all in this together, folks, and uh, this is just one of the steps. Um, as countries recover from the pandemic and rebuild their economies, now, they also have a chance to put climate solutions front and center in the recoveries. The uh, C40 Green Recovery Task Force, for example, which many of you are helping to lead, is at the forefront of this effort to identify those types of solutions. And we know that we don't have to choose between uh, recovering from this crisis and preparing for the next one. Uh, the next crisis is already here. It's climate change and the steps that we need to take to better prepare ourselves for the future are the same steps that should be taken to build a stronger and more resilient economy for the present. The false choice that we are always given of either or just isn't true. Uh, it is What is true is with a little bit of pain and a lot of work, uh, cleaning the air, cleaning the water can create more jobs than it takes away. We just have to do both sides of the equation. If you only do one, then you do deserve to be criticized. But if you do both, you can leave this world a much better place. At Bloomberg Philanthropies, we just announced, as many of you know, a new effort to help that uh, global challenge. Over the past decade, our Beyond Coal initiative has shut down two out of every three of the coal-fired power plants in the United States and over half of those in Europe not by ourselves, but with others, uh, all in this together. And uh, now we are expanding that work and setting a new goal. Uh, the new goal is to close one quarter of the world's existing coal plants and cancel all pr proposed coal plants by the year 2025. Uh, let me repeat, 2025. If I do my math, that is four years away. Um, and it's a practical time. I can envision what the world might be like, what my family and I might be like if hopefully I'm around four years from now. When I listen to people say that they're going to do things by 2050, uh, it leaves me not only cold, it's just outraged because to have a goal that we know almost half the people that are alive today aren't going to be around to find out whether the elected officials who certainly aren't going to be in office and making these promises or corporate executives for that matter that do the same ridiculous thing they just it, it is uh, an outrage that people think that the rest of us are that stupid if you make plans for 2050 don't bother to tell me about it if you make plans for a reasonable time frame it's a challenge but it's something that we can do um, we are going to also expand our work to 25 more countries where coal power is projected to grow rapidly, and we've got to stop that. Uh, we've got to make this truly a global effort to clean the air and reduce emissions. 
and the cities will be critical to our partners in this work. C40 cities are leading the way, and by acting locally, they are helping their countries reach the national targets and hopefully exceed them that many of them have set. Uh, I know we're all eager to see where our chair leads us. Uh, you have a great challenge, Mr. Mayor, and we will hold your feet to the fire. You should just know that. Uh, all of you, thank you for coming. Thank you for participating in these events. We really together are making a difference. And uh, when you go home, to and a challenge to Sadiq and the rest of us to carry it on and take it to the next level. Uh, Eric mentioned how the successful Race to Zero campaign has been. That's going to make a big impact. And with C40 working closer than ever with the, covenant, uh, the global covenant of mayors, we really do have an opportunity to rally even more cities uh, to the cause. And at the same time, Eric has continued to push Los Angeles forward. And you should know that his city, if he didn't mention it, sorry, I wasn't here for that, uh, it is now, he never brag about this, it is now home to more solar and EV chargers than any other American city. So thank you very much. Uh, I don't own a car, but if I did, it would be an electric car, and I'd be very grateful for those charging stations. Uh, seriously, this organization has always had great leadership, from Eric to former chairs, Maya Ann Hidalgo, Maya, and uh, David Miller. Uh, David, where are you? Uh, raise your hand. Ah, there you are. Uh, we welcome the French and the Canadians. Uh, we, the Brits and Americans, I guess. Actually, it's not clear what America does, but that's a whole other issue. And now we're fortunate to have the mayor of London, Sadiq Khan, taking over. Uh, under his leadership, the city of London has been setting a great example to the world for, for years in so many things, and we're glad to work with him and his team on a number of issues, especially air pollution. Uh, he knows that climate change is a public health issue as much as an environmental one, and so we have supported his work to install neighborhood air quality sensors, especially near schools, and we've just announced that we are expanding that work to lower income areas around London that are disproportionately impacted by air pollution. Uh, Sadiq, you should know, was also one of the first mayors of a global city to develop a plan for reaching carbon neutrality, and London has already reduced its emissions by almost one-third compared to 1990 levels, so a great start, just got to keep it going. Uh, we've seen firsthand that uh, Sadiq does understand that po the power of cities have to improve people's lives through climate action while also setting examples for national governments to follow. Uh, I've uh, pointed out that in America, we close coal-fired power plants at the same rate under Donald Trump that we did under Barack Obama. Uh, so it just shows you that the national governments really aren't uh, the only thing that's important, it's great to have them along, but the truth of the matter is it's at the city level where we create the need for the power that is generated by coal, and so if we could reduce the energy consumption in the cities, we would be reducing coal usage dramatically. Uh, my urge to you is before you go out in the morning, you don't need it in Glasgow, but 
turn off the air conditioner and do some simple things like that and you really can make a big difference when people say what can I do the truth of the matter is each of us can really do something and if you don't pollute a little bit all around the world seven and a half billion people benefit if you do pollute a little bit the reverse is true um, this is critical to understand that we have this in our hands the pivotal movement for the world I think is and everybody says I'm not going to take it anymore and forces their companies and their governments and their families and themselves to pay attention to understand the challenge that we face to understand the risks that we run if we don't do what we need to do and the fact that it is not hopeless it's just difficult and nobody wants to sacrifice I understand that I don't want to sacrifice either but I do want to breathe clean air I do want to drink clean water I do want that for my children and my grandchildren and anybody that follows after that so we're all in this together folks and uh, this is just one of the steps um, as countries recover from the pandemic and rebuild their economies uh, they also have a chance to put climate solutions front and center in the recoveries the uh, c40 green recovery task force for example which many of you are helping to lead is at the forefront of this effort to identify those types of solutions and we know that we don't have to choose between uh, recovering from this crisis and preparing for the next one uh, the next crisis is already here it's climate change and the steps that we need to take to better prepare ourselves for the future are the same steps that should be taken to build a stronger and more resilient economy for the present the false choice that we are always given of either or just isn't true uh, it is what is true is with a little bit of pain and a lot of work uh, cleaning the air cleaning the water can create more jobs than it takes away uh, we just have to do both sides of the equation if you only do one then you do deserve to be criticized but if you do both you can leave this world a much better place at Bloomberg Philanthropies we just announced as many of you know a new effort to help that uh, global challenge over the past decade our Beyond Coal initiative has shut down two out of every three of the coal-fired power plants in the United States and over half of those in Europe not by ourselves but with others uh, all in this together and uh, now we are expanding that work and setting a new goal uh, the new goal is to close one quarter of the world's existing coal plants and cancel all pr proposed coal plants by the year 2025. Uh, let me repeat, 2025. If I do my math, that is four years away. Um, and it's a practical time. I can envision what the world might be like, what my family and I might be like if hopefully I'm around four years from now when I listen to people say they're going to do things by 2050 uh, it leaves me not only cold it's just outraged because to have a goal that we know almost half the people that are alive today aren't going to be around to find out whether the elected officials who certainly aren't going to be in office and making these promises or corporate executives for that matter that do the same ridiculous thing they just it, it is uh, an outrage that people think that the rest of us are that stupid if you make plans for 2050 don't bother to tell me about it if you make plans for a reasonable time frame it's a challenge but it's something that we can do
Um, we are going to also expand our work to 25 more countries where coal power is projected to grow rapidly, and we've got to stop that. Uh, we've got to make this truly a global effort to clean the air and reduce emissions, and cities will be critical to our partners in this work. C40 cities are leading the way, and by acting locally, they are helping their countries reach the national targets and hopefully exceed them that many of them have set. Uh, I know we're all eager to see where our chair leads us. Uh, you have a great challenge, Mr. Mayor, and we will hold your feet to the fire. You should just know that. Uh, all of you, thank you for coming. Thank you for participating in these events. We really together are making a difference. And uh, when you go home tonight, I always end with this, just look in the mirror before you turn out the light and you should be very happy to see somebody, somebody who's made, made a, difference. a difference. And that and should that be, should. I think, all of our objective every day. I think. So how is that? That was their pat on their back, spent millions to get them to sign on these stupid treaties to tell you what you need to do in your city. We'd like to thank them for broadcasting this and making it so amazing because they've given us enough information that we can all sue the shit out of them for treason and making any foreign influence and bringing it to our city illegal. This is how we win. Now, let's take a little, um, let's take the time now <laughs> at the end of the show to kind of talk about some funny shit. First of all, the way things are going, I want to show you what kind of people are the ones that want to, that will be replacing you for your jobs. These are the people they want to take your jobs. I can't do this. I can't take them off. So that was a woman who decided to wear a hundred t-shirts and then she couldn't take them off. That is your future person when you're like, hey, I'd like this piece of paper, this certificate. It's the person that couldn't take off a hundred t-shirts because she thought it would be amazing to put on a hundred t-shirts and do the challenge. It's unfortunate she didn't do the Tide Pod challenge. Uh, but here's the thing. You want to see how stupid, okay. I had a couple phone calls today while I was doing things. I had a lot to do today. Tons. Uh, and a lot of self, <laughs> self care, per se. And, uh, I got a phone call. During that phone call, someone was like, yo, are you in Dallas? I was like, why would I be in Dallas? I don't know, man. I got a call from someone who said that the Q is going to be in Dallas. I said, stop. Stop. <laughs> Stop. He's like, no, I'm, I'm not kidding. Q is going to be in Dallas. He's going to be in Dallas and everyone's there because JFK Jr. Uh, JFK is going to rise from the dead. He's going to be there. JFK Jr. is going to be there and he's going to hand over power to the president. And I'm like, stop one second. What? So I want to know because I haven't, I don't look at these crazy things. The only time I look at things like this is when, um, you know, you guys bring it to my attention and I see it. 
but I kid you not, <clears throat> this is the most insane shit I've ever heard. Who did this? Who did this? Because there were people there. Wait, there's pictures. QAnon supporters gather in Dallas to see dead Kennedys bring about Trump's reinstatement. <laughs> Hold on. That shit really happened, you guys. This is how fucking far gone they are. This is why these people, this digital red string bullshit pisses me off. They fucked everything up for money, for fame. And I'll tell you what, it's because they were selling t-shirts and were making money on like YouTube and radio and the internet. No, they got funded elsewhere to talk shit like this. Okay. So let me, let me just show you some of this. So dumb. So here they are <coughs> tweeting 12 minutes until the big room. There's a lot of people there. It's now past 1229. At 1229, the crowd recited the Pledge of Allegiance. Let's listen to it. It is almost 1229. Any minute now, the big reveal. The crowd is big. Ready to go. So now when I hear people tell me you're salty, you're this, you're that, I'm like, fuck you. You have no idea what they've done to these people. They have completely destroyed the minds of people completely where they would actually believe this thing. I mean, I told you that he was dead, but here they are. Take a listen. They didn't even need feds. Who did this? I want to know which digital QAnon bullshit said this. Please tell me. I will make it my mission to destroy everything they do. Everything they do. It makes me sad that all these people believe that. It really makes me sad. This is so sad. Look how sad it is. And this is what they're pushing. So next time you pop on my channel and start talking shit, I had someone come on. How dare you? All the people that were great QAnoners, you know, they're banned from YouTube. So am I. I just know how to digital camouflage myself and I still have channels. This is why today I'm not on YouTube. I wait until strikes go away. And, you know, because they always dig backwards to find shit, right? That's all I could do. You got to play their game. They're doing dosi do You got to do the dosi do Or else you move it somewhere else. That's the problem that we have today. There's no sincerity. The sincerity we should have is the one that we have all the time. There is nothing. Okay, true story here. So when I went to get my daughter's house from the real estate agent, there were two fish tanks with fish in it. The house hadn't been painted. It was a hot freaking mess, just so you guys know, all right? And I was dealing with this all of October, 
right? I'm given the keys and I'm freaking out because there's animals and fish in the fucking house, okay? And I'm like, what is going on here? Like, am I being punk? Like, I was looking around, someone's messing with me. I'm dead serious. This happened. People close to me know this. I had been freaking out, right? <laughs> this is what I've been dealing with all of October. So apparently there were tenants that were living there or something. I'm not sure. Whatever. And um, I was like, yo, you know, throughout October, constantly, something's coming up, something's coming up. And that's when people drop the, the, the ball. Okay, just so you know that the pets and the fish went to the owners. They just forgot because they were in a rush to go <laughs> when we closed on the place in like July. So it's like, you know, my daughter got it in July, right? So it's like, you kind of knew for a very long time. But anyway, um, <coughs> you know, so uh, I, 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 I called the agent and I'm like, yo, I, I just, my daughter just sent these washing machines and stuff. They're, they're plugged in, but the plug's not working. Something's wrong. Something's been torn out. The guy came to install it. Now I can't get it installed. Like everything was going wrong completely, right? So then they were like, oh, we'll send over the person that that created the the did all the electricals and did that little laundry room. And I'm like, all right. So the person comes and then they they fix it and they're like, oh, it was this switch. The switch wasn't labeled. The elect I mean, the electricals have to be taken care of. But anyway, I, I you know, the person was like, yeah, you know, and I was like, what do you do? He's like, contractor, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, you know, the previous people, so, so insensitive. So this, like. I would tell them to their face if I could see them. I mean, I told her that, you know, when, <laughs> when I saw her at some point to get, you know, the animals, this was really messed up. I understand sometimes we're under pressure, but at least give someone a heads up. Don't, 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 don't have me roll up like everything's done and, you know, nothing's done. <laughs> Turns out the person I was telling this to was the husband of the person that was renting the place before Hera got it. So it's like, if I'm going to say something, I'm going to have the balls to say it to your face too, right? And I have no problem. Now, at that point, my mind didn't even register that it, that person could have been related, even though I had seen, you know, I did a dive to see what was going on. <laughs> you know, it's weird, right? When the real estate agent's like, meet me there at this time. Nah, nah, nah. And then it's like pear-shaped, shit's open, lights open, animals, freaking fish, you know, it's crazy. You're just like, all right, I'm being punk. Someone's setting me up. Someone raided the house. Someone did something, right? And I did a dive. But it didn't click in until about, I don't know, 10 seconds. And then I just rolled with it. I was like, fuck it. I tell him to, to face anyway. So um, <clears throat> having said that, if you're going to say something about someone, you should always say it to their face. You never say things behind anyone's back. Now, I know the tea that was spelt with all these emails, there's videos, there's audio of a lot of these people that you've been seeing and following. You know, like um, Aaron and 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 Seth Keschel and 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 Professor Clemens, and there's a lot more. There's a shit ton more out there. I've seen it. I actually gave a couple heads up. I was actually called by someone to give me a heads up. But here's the thing: it doesn't. <coughs> it doesn't. I don't want to say it doesn't matter because it does, right? It does matter when they pretend that their shit doesn't stink and it's like the stinkiest out there, right? It does matter. The thing that we call optics. Now, a lot of people like to dogpile because you're upset. Oh, shit. I thought that you were this, that you were straightforward, that you were this, and then you're talking shit. You're tapping ass. You're married. Like, what are you doing? This, that, that. Everybody can cast stones, forgetting that they shouldn't because you've done things too. 
Now I shared a message that was put out by me. I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm salty with Seth. And I tell him from day one, day one, the minute I saw them, the first thing I said, and it was like 24 hours after getting to DC, go get me the server uh, from Alaska. That's all you need. Fuck everything else. Get the servers in Alaska. We got one on the Air Force Base. Go get it. We're going to have everything there. And they looked at me like, we like have top brass. Like, I'm a captain. This guy's this. I don't know who the fuck you are. And it's like, well, it doesn't matter. If you go get it, you know, you're not going to lose anything. Why don't you just make a phone call and secure that shit? Because, you know, you might need it later. Because it might be a problem later. So let's get it going. Right? Let's get it going. Oh, uh, no, 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 no. Right? So... That's the only saltiness I have. Now, um, him talking smack about me or making fun of me and wanting to use Yvonne's, you know, thing, not even use that, is okay. I don't care. He's not hurting me. It's Everybody tells you who they are, inside and out, right? And it's everybody's done wrong, right? But regardless, they do contribute to what we're doing. And... I say this even though there's a lot more shit talking on those texts and recordings than you've seen. Okay. And I've seen all of them, every single one of them going back. Okay. I see it. And it's really hard sometimes for me to have conversations with people, right? Cause it's, it hurts, you know, that have said really ugly things about you that you didn't deserve. And I'm not just talking about fat shaming, like Pete scam Tilly, like who the fuck is he to talk anyway? Um, I'm talking about, you know, their, their moral floor. I've said this before. Right. And, um, sometimes people feel ashamed for saying it and, and they change their tune quickly thinking, damn, why did I think that? You know, we've all been in that position where we talk shit about someone and then we're like, yo, no, 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 I was wrong. You know, and then you tell them, you know, I, I really misunderstood you. I did this, I did that. Right. Um, but it's, it's, it's really hard and I get it to see people that, you know, you pay to go see, you pay this, you know, and you're, and you're supporting them to go and help your nation. And then you see that the, that the image that they're portraying is not it. And that's because sometimes people are under bad influence. <laughs> that's what I said. Like even, even stuff that my friends have said about me, uh, it's usually when they're influenced, you know, uh, under other circumstances. Um, that's, that's the way it is. I mean, friends can say whatever they want to their face, right? Cause I'm the one that says it out. Do you know how many times I fight with the people that I work with? Oh my gosh. How many times Millie tells me off or I tell her off? Oh my gosh. Or Gavin, but that's normal. That's completely normal. Right. But when someone, you know, pretends to be better than you, smarter than you, more important than you. And talks down on you when they know they've wronged you for one. You know, that's that's hard to swallow. And I get it. I'm just saying for me. Um, because look, what happened now to these people, the professor and all of them, you know, they're going to be hit up, divorces, their family life is ruined. Everybody knows their dirty laundry. They know what asses were tapped, what was done. It's not right. This is why when people say, don't drop, drop the text, drop the text. I could drop all that. I knew all those texts. I had, I had seen every single one of them and I tried to warn back in July, back in June. Right. And even this infiltrator was asking, Oh, I'm not this person when they were talking about me. Cause they know I'm outing her fucking handler. 
that's pretending to be a conservative that worked in the fucking White House. I know what she was doing. I knew exactly what she was doing in those texts. But again, I've warned, and if it falls on deaf ears, so be it. I think me being consistent and warning and saying, you know, hey, whatever, it's all right. It's all right. See, the one thing that people like is power. Every single one of you love it. And this is why, you know, when I saw your staterooms, some of you would be like, oh my God, this admin's like, nah, 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 nah. you know, it's called a power trip thing. Then you get over that and you see it's not a power trip thing. Being an admin is a responsibility. Being a guardian is a responsibility. You're, it's actually a job and it's unpaid, right? You get, uh, you get over that. Once you get over that hump of thinking power thing. Everybody loves power. Everyone loves being adored. Everybody loves being put in the spotlight. I don't. A lot of people are like this bullshit, but I don't. <laughs> I don't like, <clears throat> I don't like people. I don't like social gatherings. I'm extremely uncomfortable. Now you wouldn't believe it because I'm very good at just going with it, but it does make me uncomfortable. You know what I like to do? I like to be by myself. I like to do work. I like to have conversations, but I don't like to be around people because for me physically, it's not good. I can't explain it any other way. I get, I get really tired and really sick. Um, regardless, regardless, I don't want you guys to attack them in that sense. You know, I saw a lot of people going and I get your anger. I mean, I was tapped saying, oh, you, you better stop this. And I'm not going to tell anyone what to do. Right. And I was like, I, what? Like, this is after I posted, like, you know, whatever it is, it is, you know. And then I opened my DMs and I've got like, yeah, you know, I really wanted to be your friend. And I was going to help someone in your group do something. But, you know, with you not telling them and it's like, what the hell? Like, first of all, I don't think you get it. I'm as salty as fuck because they treated me like shit. But I don't condone what happened. I could have dropped those texts if I wanted to. I could have handed them over to Burton when I was warning him months ago, right? But I don't because it's none of anybody's business. Everybody's got dirty laundry. Everybody's got things that they don't want other people to see, right? And then it makes it awkward to sit there and look at them in the face when you know shit, right? And this is this is documented that I that I actually sent out warnings months ago. Right. Months ago. Right. No one listened. She's just bluffing. It's probably because they don't even know what I am yet. And, and, and that's, and that's something that they can't fathom because people, there's, there's two types of people that have faith, right? Two types of faith, the faith that you pretend to have, uh, because you're Bible loving and you went to church and that's the image that you have to have. And then it's the faith that comes when you get fucked up, you have to be humbled as fuck. So I'm going to tell you something, whatever Seth Keschel is going through right now, he's being refined like a diamond. So he will come out of this very strong. He can still do math, right? He can still help us with our elections and we could tell him, yo, what happened and what you did was wrong. And you're having a huge piece of humble pie and it's public. It's the worst one, right? It's the worst. I, I want you to think to yourself. Think about it. What if the FBI agent assigned to you takes all your texts and dumps them on social media? You're going to be embarrassed, right? So think, in order for him to be targeted like that, you know, it was targeted so that people hate him.
to show that he is not who he says he is, to show that he's not as faithful as he is, to show all these things. But in essence, this is going to shape him and make him the man he wanted to be. And everyone will embrace him for that. I will too, even though I'm still fucking salty, right? I am too. Because redemption is the most beautiful thing. And sometimes we have to be humbled. Shit, my whole world was taken from me. Do you know, no one would ever think about it. But in um, in 2016, what I noticed was, and it was a like a PTSD thing for me, I, I, I couldn't have one thing. And that's my identity. I wasn't allowed to, by the people that I worked with, to have my identity. I would be begging my mother, please, mom, I need you to go to New York and get my birth certificate because I don't have control of who I am. This is the very foundation of me being me. I was freaking out. That was really hard. And once I got a hold of that, everything was destroyed. Literally. 2019, I finally had me back. They couldn't stop it. No matter how much they tried, I would cry to friends and be like, damn, you know, I go down in New York. Here I am. Yeah, but you don't have ID with your name on it spelled like this. And it's like, but that's the way I was born. Look it up. Like, I don't know why it was changed. I didn't change it. You know what? Those fuckers changed it. Fuck them. Right. And I'm going to be nasty about that. But regardless, I say, I, I want to assume that it was a spell check error, you know, because it happened before and this and that. But as I'm finding, there's a lot of, anyway, intricacies to that. Regardless, it took me forever. I'm lucky that my mother was still alive or else I would have been stuck. Stuck. So, uh, you know, when you try to take hold of your life and do good, it always tries to get shattered by evil. And so when you're doing good, more evil enters to you and you get tempted, right? You get siren songs rather than songs of praise, <laughs> right? And you get on this high. I mean, think about right before the elections. It was all about popularity. We're the Pharisees. We know everything. Listen to us, right? We're the best. It was like a click. It was like high school on fucking steroids with personas. It's like they were so cool that nothing can touch them. And then when the elections happened and I was right and they stole it the way I said they would to the T, right? Then they all did the same fucking thing. Only this time it was like, you know, all titles and tiaras of I'm this. I used to do this. I'm former this. And it's like, nobody gives a fuck what you are. I'm me and I have this information. She's her. She has this information. That's him. He has this information. This information you don't have. Yeah, well, yeah, we got millions of people working. Yeah, and who's paying for that? Right? You found a couple people that love their country, that gave a shit ton of money so you can fucking enrich yourself and get a contract and pretend you're going to solve the problem because you don't have the humility to look at someone you don't know and say, let me just look at the information. Let me take a look. See, that was the biggest weed out for me in DC in November and December to see who was pro America and who was pro themselves. Right. And, and that was very important. Obviously I've always said, I love Seth Castle's sister. She's the one, she's the tranny that we were talking about. Me and her hit it off like crazy. I fucking love her, love her, love her. 
right? Absolutely adore her. Smart, fantastic, can, can, damn, she can type, you know, and she's a genius just watching her think and, and, and put things together was insane. So <coughs> I just wanted to say humble pie comes in many shapes and forms. I've had a shit ton of it and it wasn't like I needed humbling, but I guess, I guess maybe I did because I was like, you know, middle fingering all the enemies that I was targeting. And it's like, all right, time to teach you how to do this the right way. And everything was destroyed. So when you see people like Professor Clemens, who his job, you know, he's been outspoken and, you know, I should be the one that's saying, no, you know, uh, you know, you should, <coughs> you should, you should welcome everyone. You shouldn't pick and choose and call people this and block this, you know, because it was funny to see a lot of these people, their little admins and shit come to me and say, please don't share this thing on your channel and stuff. I was like, why? You block my people anyway. They type shit like tore my pants and you fucking block them. I maimed anyway. I could do whatever the fuck I want. Do you know how many DMs I had last night uh, without even looking at them? I was going through them in the evening in bed, right? saying, oh, please don't share this. We don't want to draw a lot of attention and stuff. And it's like, dude, I can't believe you are coming to me, asking me not to share shit, right? As if I was going to share shit, <coughs> you know, to, to cause them harm. I shared that shit because I was like, yo, this is coming around. People are laughing about it. I'm okay about it. I wanted to tell you guys, I'm okay about it. And I also wanted to tell you, yeah, you're going to see this. And there's a shit ton more coming down the pipeline. A shit ton more. So remember, the only thing you have to do is remember that they're only people, right? They're people and people make mistakes and people get humbled because they need to be refined from the ground up. And all we can do is pray for them and hope that it gets better. Okay. Hope that it gets better. You know, you don't toss them to the side you know, obviously a lot of you, maybe I know a lot of you have shared other texts and private conversations that you had with a few of these people regarding me and you're calling me stupid and, you know, a pushover. I'm not, I, I, I don't forgive easy. It's not my job to forgive. You know, I just don't, I pay it no mind. Okay. Um, you know, it didn't hurt me, it hurt me when I heard it. Well, saw it when you sent it to me, but you know, that's, that's the thing. It didn't affect me in any way. It affected them, didn't it? So just try to, um, have compassion to the situation. Yeah, it's all wrong. Yeah, it's all messed up. Yeah, they talk so much smack. I mean, who would have thought? I wouldn't have thought that Seth spoke like that having seen him, you know, but you know, with other people, you say things you wouldn't say to other people, right? But and it hurt me. It's like, why would you say that? I have been nothing but nice and kind to you unless I live in your head because you're the one that was like, Tori says, yeah, you guys can't stand it. Because I was always right from the beginning and that thorn's going to be there forever. Okay. Forever and ever and ever and ever. And that's not my fault. You brought it upon yourself. But the bottom line is we should show people like that more compassion, especially those that are you know, apologizing for whatever situation. Like someone said, you're going to get apology from X, Y, Z. And it's like, no, I'm not. <laughs> you wouldn't even fucking look me in the face. And she wouldn't look me in the face. And so-and-so wouldn't look me in the face because they know I know that I've seen all the other things too, not just what's public. Now they know. Because now, looking back, 
The past proves the future. I already told them those exist months ago. So, you know, they won't be able to because it's shame, but it's no big deal. No sweat off my back, right? Because what you say about other people in general in your life, know this. You're saying it and it's hurting you, not them. It hurts you, not them. <clears throat> Our nation is in a very, very bad place right now. And um, it's our job to fix it. So we got work to do. And, uh, you know, that's how you fix things. Compassion and getting down to business. We got we got some shit to do. I don't want my kids living in <clears throat> in a place where a woman that wears a hundred shirts is considered capable <laughs> of doing my taxes or arresting me or <laughs> something. Oh, speaking of cops. So let me tell you something really funny before I go. So I told you guys, <clears throat> I think I posted on Telegram. Um, the day that I felt a little bit better, I went out with Phoebe uh, and got a drink. And it was like our neighborhood. We just were exploring the neighborhood. And we saw this place with like a lot of lights. And we're like, yeah, let's go just browse and stuff. So we went there. And then we were going out to the car right across the street, gun shop. I'm like, yo, let's just mosey on into this gun shop. It's like a hole in the wall. Mind you, it's right next to a weed place too. So that was like, all right. Um, so we walk in and I'm looking and I'm like, yeah, okay. Um, I'd like to get a gun. And, uh, you know, he was like, you already have some. And I was like, well, no, I want to register as a gun owner in Ohio now. Right. So let me just do this. So I give my driver's license with me in the store. Another couple comes in, they do theirs. And I apply for my nine millimeter and I give my ID. And then, you know, the guy, <coughs> the two people that were next to me, the application came right back. They were first, first time gun owners, whatever, but mine didn't. They were like, yeah, so they need a little bit extra time. So um, it says that we release it to you and you're good to go on 11-4. And I'm like, what? So I immediately called my uh, lawyers. <laughs> and I was like, yo, are they like going to, I have no criminal record like this fucked up. Did they like red flag law me? And they were like, it could be anything from a ticket or something. I was like, well, I don't have anything like that. Well, maybe I do. Because I don't remember what county that was. And I lost that ticket, which is true. So, um Anyway, um, I talked about it that day with them. They were like, no, that's totally normal. Sometimes they could take extra time and it is you, right? And <clears throat> long story short, I go back to the light place today, which is literally across the street from that, from, from the gun shop. And as I go in there, I'm like, you know, I'm talking with Nate and I'm like, uh, you know, you know, they did this to Chuck when they went to arrest him, you know, he had just gotten his gun and then they told him you have to come on this day and we'll call you to go get it. And he left to go get the gun. And that's when the police came to ambush him. I'm just a little bit concerned because it shouldn't be held up. You know, I don't have any crimes. I, you know, I don't have anything misdemeanors, nothing like you can't find a parking ticket because <laughs> that one's lost. Um, so like, uh, you know, I don't know. He's like, Oh, it'll be fine. It's just normal. I mean, you know, we're monitored anyway by the FBI. Our agents probably hate us. Um, mine definitely does. Because the most of the time that I do my trolling is in the bathroom. So I'm just saying. They probably have it on volume only and screen. <laughs> but anyway, <coughs> as I'm in the light store, guess who calls me after that conversation? The minute I walk in there. The gun shop. Says, oh, I uh, just got a ping that you can come get it. Come by tomorrow because I'm closing. I'm like, well, isn't it funny that you call me now? He's like, can you talk now? It is awkward. I was like, no, I'm right here. And boom, 
went across the street and got it. So it was really weird, the timing. I'm just saying it was super timing. And um, it was, um, you know, it was something that was itching me because I remember that when Millie was arrested, um, Chuck had just applied for his gun a couple days earlier. <coughs> and they told him that he has to come back. And it was when he, um, uh, you know, was leaving the house when the cops rolled up. So it may be that was a trigger for them to move to a lot faster. So I just wanted to um, make that mention, uh, you know, just so you guys know, because I, I had, I think I mentioned it online that I was a little bit concerned that they were going to release it later because of these red flag laws and what they're, what they're doing. Um, as in regards to my health, I feel a little bit better. Uh, I, 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 I want to make it clear. I didn't get cold. Okay. Um, I was violently ill, right? And as I was sleeping, I choked on my puke. I'm looking, I'm alive. And that actually caused me an irritation in my throat that developed into bronchitis. So on top of the fact that I was like um, um, ill, toxicology is still coming back. It's just crazy. Um, I had to deal with that too. So um, I just wanted to make that clear um, just so people know. And it's not covid I mean, but then I also heard that there's like bouts of bronchitis. And I was like, well, I did it when I, I was worried about pneumonia, right? Because when you choke on your puke, that stuff gets in your lungs. So, um, <clears throat> so that's what I was concerned about more than anything. Um, but when I went to the doctor days later after the cough started, um, I was moving air. So it was like, nope, it's gotta be, it's only upper, it's your throat, it's raw. So, um, you know toxicology is still coming back. So I don't have any definitive, but it was like parts of like stuff like that you would find in rat poison. And it's just really weird. I just don't even want to get into it. Um, <coughs> but you know, I've, I've had coughs before and bronchitis before this one is a little bit more harsh because, you know, obviously it's, it's raw. So, um, it's different, but I'm better now. I feel better. Um, still coughing a little bit cause it's irritating. My, my throat is healing. And, um, uh, it's all good. So on that note, I want to wish you guys a fantastic evening and I will see you tomorrow. Same time, same place. God bless. I have climbed highest mountain. I have run through the fields only. Oh,
Goodbye. 